Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Learn Harry Styles, a podcast dedicated to the work of musician, model, and actor Harry Styles. This week in episode 27, we're going to cover in detail Harry's most important release to date, his CBB's bedtime story reading, <laughs> In Every House, On Every Street. Just kidding. We're going to break down his third studio album, Harry's House. Harry's House. Yay. Yes, I would listen to a three-hour conversation on In Every House, On Every Street, but we have had a week with Harry's House. We've had over a week with Harry's House, and boy, am I ready to break down every single conceivable little minor detail until our audience is thinking that we're getting too granular. So that's where we're at, Gray. Are you ready? I am so ready, Key. But first, what do you blame Harry for this week? Yeah. So I, I, what, what else? I have to blame Harry for my lack of productivity at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, I keep my internet presence fairly anonymous, so I can say here that I, my week at work was not productive at all, and uh, I didn't get that much done. And my email has a lot of unread emails because literally, what else could I possibly think about but this album and everything about it? It's like I don't know when when a cultural event like this happens and they're <laughs> waiting so long for it. It's like literally my brain does not allow any space for anything else. So yeah, bare minimum of emails were answered. That is all I have to say about that. What about you? So listeners, as you may recall, our last recording was for Coachella and Key relayed a story wherein he said that he watched Coachella at three in the morning with COVID-19. Well, listeners... <laughs> One other co-host this week, nobly was felled by COVID-19, probably picked up in in, uh, either a diner or at at the subway. And uh, I lost sleep because I was talking about Harry's house uh, with Key in the DMs instead (laughs) of resting and trying to get the COVID-19 out of my own body. So we are dropping like flies, but we are staying (laughs) strong. (laughs) It's true. It's like, this has been, I mean, look, we're recording this the day that uh, Harry performed at Radio One's big weekend in which multiple of his band members didn't perform. We can only assume due to COVID. So it it seems like (laughs) there's something in the air. People are struggling right now, but we're going to soldier through and we are going to bring you this probably extremely overlong in-depth at long last we're gonna talk about harry's house this is like it feels unreal to be doing an actual album review and analysis here like i don't know it's crazy he he, when you say something in the air do you think the something is (laughs) covid19 i think that that's probably a safe thing to assume yeah uh yeah so yeah no we are super excited and so we just find it terribly amusing that key and i have been you know this is episode 27 and we've been waiting so long for this and we've been like preparing and we're so excited and then like one after the other like we have we have listeners you're so wonderful going oh my gosh when is the episode we want to talk to you and first keys fell like a tree and we're like <laughs> we're, we're gonna get to it we promise and then and then the album comes and then i'm felled and we're just like we just we, ju- we just want to get the episodes out we promise we had like we had like grand plans too for his rollout and then 
we both got sick and so it's two episodes of the rollout thank you so much for listening and for your attention and patience we we're so excited so yeah um 100 but yeah so i guess we'll move into the news which we're gonna blow through because uh i feel like probably everybody listening to this already knows all of the news that's been happening uh yeah we just want to talk yeah, about the album <laughs> yeah so uh interviews zane lowe howard stern npr all these radio stations he talked to those people awesome (laughs) fun maybe we'll talk more someday about you know his outfits during them or whatever we'll at our end of your ranking we'll definitely talk about the outfits so don't worry if you want my opinions on howard stern and zane lowe and all that stuff we'll do an outfit ranking you know sometime end of year whenever um, yeah, check in at the end of 2022. Yeah, check in at the end of 2022. <laughs> it's 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 delayed gratification. So he did the CBBs in every house on every street, which is he read a little bedtime story. He read it in the pajamas for the alleged next music video, which will probably be what we will t- be talking yeah, about in our next be episode. We'll be talking about next performances. Today's show, he did a one night only in NYC and London. He performed at the BBC Live Lounge. He performed at BBC Big Weekend. Album photo booklet dropped. Anthony Pham, you're uh, wonderful. There were pop-ups everywhere. Yeah. Album rollout. So many things happened. So many things happened. So many things, uh, you know, the air is only just beginning. There's probably going to be more music videos and uh it's it's all very exciting but we have to move on now uh but before we before we move on to the main segment i also would just like to reiterate we have noticed that we've gotten a lot more listeners lately and we're just so grateful so uh if you are tuning in with us for this is one of your first times if you're one of the newer listeners like thank you so much for listening to us and we're so excited to share this album with you yes definitely so uh key do you want to take us into our main segment of Harry's house. Yes, absolutely. This just feels like, I don't know, it's wild to think that the last time that we sat here in our respective bedrooms recording this podcast, we did not have these songs. And now we do. And we've had them for over a week. And it's just yeah. like, I don't know, the more as time goes on, we're going to sit with them. And it's just, I don't know, it's so exciting to have. So getting into these songs and the album, what were you kind of expecting or hoping for uh, from Harry's House, Grey? So based on as it was, I thought maybe there would be like a lot of new wave. I don't know, like a lot of uh, people who are in the industry have been, you know, mining from that era, which I mean, it is a great era to mine from. So I thought maybe he would, you know, be leaning towards that trend maybe i thought it would maybe be a more low-key album than fine line for sure but i wasn't really sure otherwise how i felt and obviously i was uh, wrong so <laughs> how about you in key? certain respects in certain yeah respects, we'll get into yeah. that i think not not in every respect but uh yeah how about you key yeah so i guess i was like i i took a lot of cues here from like the visuals from the album cover from the better homes and gardens photo shoot and i guess i kind of expected like more of like a like I don't know domestic calm like toned down kind of vibe and like that isn't not what we got but it's also so different in so many ways yeah. from what I expected so I guess I forgot that like as it was is the lead single here which is like you know this song has kind of like this dark undertone and like mm-hmm. these this sadness to it even though it's such like an upbeat and fun song which I feel like is the energy of so much of this album mm-hmm. so yeah I feel like yeah I'm really excited to throughout this episode kind of get into that dichotomy um, between kind of 
those ideas and like those expectations that I feel like were set quoting these kind of like very sweet like lyrics that were quoted in Better Homes and Gardens and then like kind of what like that, those songs and kind of some of the themes that emerge that that align with that that don't align with that so we have a lot to get into but um yeah great so how did you first listen to the album like what 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 did you choose what was your strategy I well first I tried to listen like somebody who had never known of Harry Styles before um <laughs> meanwhile logged what like 30 hours of intense podcasting <laughs> yeah uh so i uh i i was in my room and i i listened to fine line and then i took a pause and i was like okay you don't know anything about harry styles life you don't know who this character <laughs> is you're like I, you're astral projecting to somebody who is hearing harry styles for the first time and i put in my earbuds and i was just sitting on my bed and i listened and it was crazy like because like the album ended up sounding not much like his other albums so i didn't really have to astral project to that uh because <laughs> it felt like listening to something totally new it was great yeah that's awesome so key what was your first listening experience yeah so i like i did exactly what i did for fine line i guess that's not true so the first thing that i did was i listened to the end of fine line i didn't i saw that people online were like listening re-listening to hs1 in fine line and i didn't do that i didn't like prepare enough time mm. for that but I did, I was like, okay, I'll listen to the end of Fine Line. So I listened to, I think, like, Canyon Moon, Tree People of Kindness, and Fine Line, the song. And I just, I don't know, I was in my feelings about that. And I was already in my feelings about Fine Line, like, that previous week, because it was, like, our last, like, gasp of, like, this is going to be the newest, like, this is our last gasp of that being the newest thing we have. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of liked the idea of, like, ending with that and then going into the new album so I was like alone in my room, turned the lights off, earbuds in, eyes closed. I was like, I don't want anything to intrude upon this experience. I'm just going to solely focus on the sounds coming out of my earbuds. And I got to say, uh, the sounds coming out of my earbuds were amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not even like, yes, that has to do with the songs, but that also has to do with like the production. Like, I don't know. There's been this conversation in the wake of the album that I've seen that's like Spotify sounds different from Apple Music, that there's like different you know, different streaming services have like different listener experiences. Like I can't speak to anybody else, but like I have Apple Music and I was like blown away. My first takeaway was like, oh my God, this just sounds really, really good. Like mix wise, production wise. So yeah, so that was like my first listening experience of it. And it was, I just, yeah, I don't know. that That's just so special to have kind of like the album to yourself for that first time and to kind of like experience all the emotions of it from the first track to the last track like in order the way it was intended so yeah i don't know oh i should say about my listening experience so uh one element of this is that it's not my first listen but a pretty integral part of my experience was i received uh, my record a few days ago and uh those were definitely my hardest days of COVID-19 so I kind of received my record and then was immediately like felled really bad um no. and so so I was able to just like I've had it basically sitting on my record player for the past several days and I've just been intermittently like turning it over and like listening to it again and again and again and it sounds so gorgeous on vinyl there's just something like so lovely like I I'm not really like I'm not like a record snob or anything but like i just really enjoy listening to vinyl and this has just been a really good companion um and i'm i i'm so grateful that my roommate hasn't 
uh, murdered me for listening to the record this many times because she has also been stuck in the house due to uh, exposure to COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> so I have... What a time we all live in. I have certainly trapped my roommate in the house with my Harry's house record, but luckily my walls are thick, so I don't think that she's been bothered by it or anything. But uh, but yeah, so I, uh, I have had it on vinyl and it has been just a really lovely companion. Not to be a salesman, but if you can get Harry's house on record you know whether it's one of the special ones or just you know standard issue vinyl i do uh recommend it it's really really lovely listening experience love that i mean we have seen from the numbers that a lot of people agree with you because his vinyl sales are massive um yeah so great i think like what makes sense here it's like so hard to approach things like this because like we just want to like word vomit like all of our thoughts here and like there's so many different ways to structure this conversation and approach it. Like we're going to do a track by track, like breakdown of every single song. We're going to go through what we think the themes are. We're going to talk about like what we think the legacy of the album is and the reviews of the album and all these things. So this is going to be a big conversation that encompasses all of those things. But I think just to start out, it's helpful to kind of like give like a very general review of the whole album after first listen and when i say review i don't mean like we're not credit professional music critics like i like i don't mean it in that intensive a way i just mean like after you first listened to it like what did you think of it like obviously you liked it and like all the things you just said but like i don't know what were your takeaways like we don't want to spend 20 minutes on this to start but like just kind of like what were your first thoughts when you when you listened to the album gray so my general review of the whole album after the first listen um i guess i was just really blown away by it like there was a lot of really amazing production i felt like he progressed a lot musically um Mm -hmm. and that like i don't know I i felt like he was doing a lot of genre blending that was really cool um i felt like his lyrics had progressed uh definitely um, yeah, for sure. I felt like the sequencing was really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just really felt like he had progressed a lot as a musician. I had the immediate urge to listen to it again, which I did, and then I've been listening mm-hmm. to it ever since. So, obviously, I have, uh, I gave it a really good score. Yeah, he. How about you? How do you feel about the whole album after the first listen? And, you know, continuing onwards. Yeah, for sure. I what you said resonates with me. I think it's like a very easy album to listen to. And, you know, there are certain tracks that I think that's the case more than others. But, you know, what you said about like listening to it once immediately pressing play again and basically never not doing that again for the following week. Like, (laughs) that's where I have been with it. Um, Yeah, I guess my first takeaway was I was just kind of flabbergasted by the production on it. Um, I, I don't know if like this is like, I feel like I've seen other people say this, which validates, like, my sense that maybe there's, like, been a step up in, like, I don't know, about just the quality of production or, like, maybe the quality of recording or, like, I just feel like I could hear every little itty-bitty sound no, and too. instrument that makes this album so special and unique. Yeah, so that was a big takeaway for me from first listen, especially because we've had some of these songs like we had boyfriends and late night talking before we got the full album so i immediately was able to hear like you know all those little things that make the difference in the the recorded versions in comparison to what we already had um and yeah what one other thing that i that really struck me on first listen was like how the album's able to kind of combine the pop and rock elements of harry's music that were kind of separated on fine line so like fine line has that 
top half bottom half thing right where like the top half of fine line is like more poppy and the bottom half is like more i guess rocky isn't the right word but it's like you know less synthy more instrumentally i feel like this album is just more consistent in that respect Mm -hmm. and that doesn't always mean like that doesn't have to be a value judgment on whether that's better but it was something that i noticed where i was like i came out of fine line being like okay there's the top half and the bottom half you don't come from this record thinking that it's like the flow is very different that doesn't exist it's not like all the singles are together in the first three tracks like that's just like not how it is yeah so that kind of structure thing was something that i like that pinged for me on first listen yeah and then i guess i just felt like like i i felt like it just felt like a really secure and confident album yes i felt that way too yeah and and i saw that in some reviews and and i really agree with it too where it's like i feel like on Fine Line and on HS1, but like Fine Line is the one that's like in my mind the most, right? Because that's the last one we got. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like Fine Line was like trying really hard, and that's like good, you know. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not as good. But I, I think it succeeded at most of the things it was trying for. But you could kind of feel that it's trying, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's trying to be successful, whether that's trying to be like an important album whether that's trying to be these different genres of music i could just feel that a little bit behind it Mm -hmm. and i couldn't feel that at all in this album like i not that it wasn't trying like obviously it is but i just it yeah it's what it's what we were both saying it's just like that security that confidence kind of running throughout it where i i just felt like it just kind of was what it was and you could like take it or leave it and like that that underneath kind of like straining wasn't there which was really interesting and it wasn't something that i even thought about expecting going yeah. in like i just it didn't even occur to me but it was something that i that i took from it on first listen for sure for me like what i really felt listening to this record in terms of what you're saying about trying is like i felt like I, I think I didn't even realize before listening to this record that Harry was still holding some things back. I really felt when I was listening to this record that I was listening to Harry. Like, I was listening to what was in his brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I was like, oh, so this is what's <laughs> hanging around in there. <laughs> Harry, you're weird. <laughs> but, like, good. Oh, we even knew about that. But it's but it's it's good. Like, I, you know, I... For sure. uh, I feel very happy that, you know, he's not feeling, I guess, nervous to share that weirdness. I can definitely understand listening to this album, like why he might have worried, oh, you know, like, what if this is too, this music is too weird? Or like, what if these songs are like too fun and they won't take them seriously? Or like, oh, you know, all these, all these concerns that somebody might have. And I just feel really happy that he like, it, it, on this album clearly didn't allow those impulses to get in his way um and yeah, just sort sure. of made the kind of music that he wanted to make i feel like you can really listen to it and tell like he put his he put his hairiness into it you know yeah totally and i feel like you can feel like something that that he's talked a lot about in interviews that i feel like you can feel contributing to what you're saying is this like super close collaboration that happened between mm-hmm. him kit harpoon and tyler johnson where it really was in comparison to his past work like he's always had like a relatively close and select group of people that he works with but on this album it was really them three and then like occasionally other people would come on like he's talked about writing certain songs with mitch um and there are other co-writers occasionally but really it's those three who are doing the writing um and i really i feel like you can feel kind of that 
confidence coming from the three of them, like knowing each other so well. And like Harry's described, you know, in, in some of these interviews, like that the three of them would like go live their lives and then get together and like go crazy mm-hmm. and like write a bunch of stuff and then go live their lives and like snap back together and go crazy. And I feel like that energy is something you can definitely feel and that contributes for sure to what you're saying in terms of that like willingness to be a little weird with some of the instrumentals and stuff like that. And I mean, Treat People with Kindness was on fine line, so it's not like that like right. isn't something that has been in Harry's music before. But I do feel like it's like threaded a little bit consistently throughout this album in a way that I really, really liked. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, and then I guess just some other takeaways, like to to contribute to kind of this trying thing that we've been talking about, like I just feel like his vocals were much more kind of relaxed on this album and that's not always the case i think maybe relax isn't the right word i think it's appropriate that his vocals were appropriate for every song because you know he's he talked in the zane low interview about really using his voice as an instrument instead of like feeling like he had to like capital s-i-n-g sing every song kind of like using it as was appropriate for the themes of the song Mm -hmm. for the music of the song and kind of like, you know, using it as an additive property in that way. And I and I feel like you can really hear that, whether that's like doing the Scooby-Doo-Bah-Bahs like part or whether that's literally screaming, which he loves to do on songs, whether that's like really laid back vocals that are like complimenting the lyrics. Like, I feel like that was a takeaway where I just, mm-hmm. I, you, you heard this a little bit from him before, but I, this was like a consistent thing throughout the record, right? Was that like a little bit, a willingness to kind of be more laid back and like do what serves the song best does that make sense yeah absolutely it, it definitely does and I I, I I totally resonate with the concept that the voice is just one part of the song on this record we'll we'll get into it you know as we go along but uh, some of the most stunning moments on the record are instrumental or are him going you know you know ooh or like whistling uh, all, all this stuff so I yeah I do think that there's a lot of different ways the voice is used on this record that are not just like capital S-I-N-G singing. Um, yeah, And sure. I, I feel like when he does sing, it, it's so beautiful. He's definitely been doing voice training and stuff and it's just gorgeous. Yeah, his voice sounds great in this record. Um, and one way in which I think that you can hear kind of that improvement and like that change in attitude on how he sings, I think is on the ballads on the album. Like that was another main takeaway I had was like, I just feel like he's perfected that in a way where like, you know, listeners may know, or you may not, if you didn't listen to our Fine Line episode, like Falling to me is like not my favorite track on Fine Line. It's like, I think there's kind of a shared sentiment with Falling where like a lot of people love it. A lot of people are like kind of on it and you kind of fall in one or two of those camps. And I just felt like, you know, the two main ballads in this album, Matilda and um, Boyfriends, which we will get into in a more in-depth way later in the episode, like I just felt like, man, like, okay, he's got it. He knows how to write and produce these kinds of songs in a way that I found so effective on this album in particular. And yeah, so that was the main takeaway for me as well. I think when you're talking about, you know, how, how I was saying that he's kind of embracing his core hairiness on the record, I feel like you can feel a lot of the gentleness of that in the ballads and really on a lot mm. of the songs. Um, I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways, these songs are handled very gently and especially the topics in the ballads, I feel there's just like a very light touch to so many elements of them. Um, and I think that that kind of ties into the, the trying, hard feeling. There's just like a lot of light light touches in yeah, Harry's house. Yeah, for sure. And I think, 
in a way that's appropriate, but that isn't um, isn't breezy. Like I think this has been something we'll talk about this kind of throughout. There's been a little bit of a response to this record that's like, you know, this is fun, great pop music, but like there's not that much there, which I just think is like so aggressively not the case. <laughs> and, I, and I think like 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 what you're saying, I think maybe some of maybe the way he's singing, maybe the fact that you can't feel that kind of like undercurrent of like trying really hard, like kind of tricks people a little bit into thinking that like some of these songs are like more light and breezy than like they actually are. So I'm really excited kind of throughout this show to get into that and yeah. the meaning behind some of these songs and like I don't know how this all fits with even like the visuals of the album and like I don't know. I just was so taken by like like I feel like I really understand now, especially spending a week with this album. Uh-huh. Like we would not have been ready to quote record this last weekend. No, like, no, no, no. I feel like it's an album that has rewarded me really thinking about it and really going in depth and looking at all the songs and looking at all the lyrics and like looking for repeated imagery. And I feel like you could very easily just kind of like listen to this album and have fun and like put it on in the background at a party and like you would have a great time. But I also feel like it really rewards that work of going through and like looking for all these things. And like, yeah, I just feel like that kind of dichotomy of like both of those, it working on both of those levels is something that if you choose not to look for it, like you you don't have to. And maybe that's almost the best thing about it, that it does work on both of those levels yeah. at once is something that's really impressive, actually. Oh, no, I definitely think it's impressive because, I mean, a big part of music and connecting to it is can you listen to it at a party like for a lot of you know pop albums that is what you want and i feel like if you can have a pop album that you can just put on at a party and that people can just enjoy but then if you sit with it you can understand some of the themes a little better and you can kind of work through the album i feel like that's kind of the best of both worlds right obviously obviously i enjoy a stripped back indie album or you know an angsty rock album but i i think that this is great too so um yeah okay um yeah so do you want to move into a song by song discussion uh this won't be a close read we are considering doing some close reads of uh the songs in the future but right now we're just going to do a general overview what we think about them (laughs) for some of these songs like we have like, like our breakdown is like we have a bunch of different questions we're going to ask about each of these songs one of them is favorite lyric for some of them i'm like um the whole song so we'll yeah. we'll, we'll do our best <laughs> to kind of like you know reign in our own instincts here but i mean i don't know yes let's get into it because i'm just so excited it's like i don't know i love these songs and i can't wait to like break down all the all the songs in the context of everything we just said so yeah okay music for a sushi restaurant let's go yeah music for a sushi restaurant how do you feel about music for a sushi restaurant key yeah, so like right from the beginning, I just think it's such a good opener. I we, we talked a lot about, you know, in his other albums, like kind of the structure and like I think Golden's a great opener, it's a great tour opener. I just think this is such a fucking banging opening for an album in so many ways. Like you've got first of all, you've got those opening notes, which are like those like those synth notes, right? Which I think is just such an effective separator from Fine Line. Like he talked in the Zane Lowe interview where it was like you you would think that you would like listen to the song fine line and like kind of know where he's going and you really don't and it's something completely different so i feel like those opening notes in the song just like set you right on track for like what to expect from this record um and yeah it's just such a fun song like i i just feel like the lyrics 
are like they're just these little snapshots of like imagery that work really well with each other that just kind of like a cohesive imagery of the song yeah just like a groovy song i don't know this is in my top four songs of the album for sure it did make me cry and you might be like why in the world would this song make you cry because it's like it's so beautiful yeah it's like an upbeat love song i'm like i realized this album made me realize that happy things are what make me cry the most because the two times that i cried i I cried twice listening to this album and both of those times it was like at a happy lyric so the the first time that i cried was at the chorus of music for a sushi restaurant when i heard those fucking trumpets and he's like because i love you and i was like oh my god i just like teared up because it's like i don't know there's that moment of like nervousness and anxiety of like what's this album gonna be like am i gonna like it like of course i'm gonna like it but am i gonna like it like what's it gonna be like and then is it gonna be sad is it gonna be you know you don't know and you go in and it's like oh my god those trumpets just like Mm -hmm. those horns just come in and it's like so happy and like so yeah i loved it what about you right (laughs) god my first listen to this I just felt like I heard every single instrument. I was listening on Spotify. Um, I felt like I heard every single instrument and it was crazy because the song, like, it doesn't, like, let up at all. And so it was just like, <laughs> here's him going, ah, and then there's the, the trumpets and then there's the funky bass and now, now he's coming again and he's saying, oh, I love you, babe. And it's just like, it's just very, I mean, I feel it. I guess this is the experience of what Harry being in love is like which oh my exactly god harry okay uh (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 so funny because like this this is clearly his experience of being in love what it feels like and then he's just like this like shy guy so he's just like (laughs) so like this is inside his head is he just like when he's in love is he just like vibrating around the person that he likes all the time (laughs) just like yeah inside him yeah the song really captures that like unrelenting like just so unabashedly like not cool about it totally honest i love you vibe yeah it's just it's it's so it's everything my yeah my mouth was like open it's not that i didn't like harry's songs before i obviously enjoyed his songs before but yeah no i i just i just couldn't believe that he sounded like this the funky guitar I'm obsessed with at the end. I feel like everybody knows the one. I like his scatting, uh, the jazz-inspired scatting. Me and somebody who were listening to the album at my house, we were like playing a game of like each part of the song was like a different genre. So we were like, oh, that's glam. Oh, that's funk. Oh, that's new wave. Oh, that's that's jazz. Those different parts of the song. So he like blends all these genres that in a way that's like so cool and what i felt was like very like a very innovative sound so like in in my mind like because of the theatricality like it doesn't sound like a queen song but it felt like it felt like the vibes to me um Mm. i don't know i like i hope it's a radio single because i feel like it doesn't really sound like anything that's on the radio it's currently doing well on the charts i don't know it's not doing as well as matilda which i feel uh, concerned <laughs> is everybody okay we'll, we'll have to see we know late night talking is the next it one is. so which we'll get into in a it second is. but um yeah i i don't know i love it i i do think like it's it's kind of musical weirdness is so endearing to me it's and so endearing. yeah it contributes a lot to why i love it um 
yeah, I don't know. This is just such a fun song to just like, it, just to press play on as the first track on this album. It's so fun. And it sets the tone in such a way where it's like, I, I feel like, you know, not every song on this album is like musically as weird as this. But yeah, I don't know. Just as like the opener of here's, here's, here's where we're at. And here's where you can expect to kind of meet me at the start of this album. I just feel like, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. So yeah, so are, are there any other kind of like details or like, Anything else that, that emerges for you on Music for a Sushi Restaurant, Ray? I don't know. I like that the lyrics are literally just like him making sushi because I, I don't know. I don't know why. It just seems like they're hanging out in like a sushi restaurant. And also he's noticing like how sexy and beautiful his lover is. And that's just like the whole song. Yeah, it's not that deep, but it's a fun it's a fun concept for the imagery. Yeah. What about you? Any other details of note? I guess just the little sound effect at the end. Like, what do you think about that? And why do you think it's on there? I, I, I asked that question to a few people I know. Somebody had mentioned, sorry that I'm forgetting who specifically it was. I would love to give you credit, but I don't remember. That it's like a neon, that it's like the sound of a neon sign, like of a restaurant. Um, oh. That could be it. It could just be a sound from the recording studio that they thought kind of led into the next song. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on kind of like why it ends with that sound effect? I guess I felt like it was dramatically powering down the performance. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. I felt like it was it was a good choice because it's like so the song is so much so you kind of need yeah. like something something especially because the next song is also like in a right. similar vein like yeah it's a little moment of pause so key what is your favorite lyric it's gotta be the one that made me cry which is like, you know, I love you, babe. Like that just like yelling note before the trumpets in, in the chorus. So it has to be that. But I do want to also shout out, excuse me, a green tea, which is just like <laughs> random and like plopped in there. I, there's a couple of moments in this album of just quotes as lyrics, like quotes other people say, which I really like. I feel like a lot of the lyrics on this album, which we're going to kind of get into as the conversation goes on, are like, I feel like, I don't know if this is true. I, it feels to me like they're just things he jotted down in his notebook. Mm -hmm. So quotes kind of like make sense for that, that he'd be like listening to what people say and like writing down little quotes. So yeah, that that's a cute one. What, what What's your favorite lyric from the song? If the stars were edible and our hearts were never full, could we live with just a taste? I feel like if we were like in like the, in the 2000s, that would be a lot of people's like aim away message. Um, I, wow, I feel like what a reference. I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are going to get tattoos of this. Really nice. I love it. I don't really totally know what it means, but I I, I love it. <laughs> That's appropriate for the song, I think. Yeah, it's great. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to late night talking now. Yes. Key, how do you feel about late night talking? Yeah, so this is the song, you know, we, we had this song, we've we've had three of these songs before the album. This was one of the ones that we'd, we'd already had at number two on the track list. Um, yeah, I just love the song. It's a bop. Uh, I will say my first reaction to it was I kind of missed the arrangement that we had of it at Coachella with those live horns. Like, I just didn't even think that those wouldn't be on there, like, especially after having the horns on sushi like i just like didn't even think about it i was like oh they're gonna be there and then they weren't and i was like oh interesting and so my first reaction to it was like obviously this is a great song it's like kind of undeniable it's very catchy but i also was like oh i kind of missed that that live horn sound on it i will say that it's in the week since it's really grown on me again and i feel less that way about it like i really love the sound of it it's just a really easy song to listen to like just throw this on whatever and it's just like a great listen and it'll make you feel good 
Um, yeah, and I guess there's this, I'm trying to think how I can do these little things without singing it. Like my favorite part of the song is when he goes like, hey now, up in the top of the vocal, like in back, when everything jumps together. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? And I'm like explaining this at all adequately. Hey now? Yeah, and like the in the mix of the song, he he has like a, I don't know, I'm not doing this right. If I had my shit together when I edited this podcast, I would pull out that clip of the audio and insert it right here for our listeners. So Unfortunately, if I did that, good job to me, but I think totally that's not Totally copyright struck for that, so. Yeah, so I apologize, but listen for a little hey now that he has in, in like a high voice towards the end of the song when all the music comes together, because that's my favorite part, and I just, I really like it. What about you, Gray? This song is unbearably cute. It took a minute for me to get used to the synths too, but now I find them extremely endearing, especially, okay, so... There's a synth, and I feel like we all know the synth, which is in the chorus, and it like... The first half of the chorus. It's the first half of the chorus, it goes at the same time as him, and then it echoes again after it. At first, I found that synth kind of annoying, and now I'm extremely endeared by that synth, and I don't know if I've like Stockholm syndrome myself into liking the synth, I but I think it's the cutest thing in the world. I just imagine it being like this little hopping instrument hopping after Harry oh in the track every time I sing it. It's just like the synth is like in love with his voice hopping after it. It's so cute. You've anthropomorphized the synth in this song in order to not find it annoying. That's like, no. wow, there's a lot to it. I've had COVID-19, <laughs> so I feel like you have to be in your nice feverish mind this is what you've been doing yeah no but like i mean i didn't have to anthropomorphize it i just like i find it like <laughs> i find it just really extremely charming i don't know like it, it, in my mind like sometimes when you're listening to a song something reminds you of something and i feel like i don't know No, i it's love just, that it's just cute um i'm gonna think about that now when i listen to yeah, it yeah we all are you're welcome internet um <laughs> i love that this is kind of genre mixing as well. I don't think I've really heard a funk song completely instrumentalized with synths. And I was talking with Key uh, when the song obviously was released about like if this was something where, because Harry said this was the first song that they recorded for the album. And I was saying, well, maybe like they originally wrote the funk song and they were thinking that they wanted to eventually add horns but until they were able to be in an environment with horn players they were like well we'll make this a synth song and the synths will kind of go where the horns will go and then they liked it so much with the synths they kept it i don't know maybe they just wanted it with synths the entire time but i think that it's definitely an interesting creative choice and i really like that harry was creative with it so yeah for sure when you're saying with what he said about it, like being one of the first ones for the album, so not one of the first written, you know, because we know he's had boyfriends and right, and right, some songs that were written for before, this but, album. But sessions. in terms of like set for this album, where he like wrote it and recorded it, and was like this one we have in the bag for this album. I feel like you know you have written here as a quote in our document, quote, "We always have this one," which I feel like you can just feel that energy of the song. Yeah. It's like you can tell right away that it could be a single. You can tell right away this is in the bag. This is like a song that is you can throw on. Everybody's gonna love it. But it's like you know it's easy it's like yeah it's not trying like you know to be something huge and grand like i just feel like you can feel that kind of ease and knowledge of oh we know this is a great song and we like have it in our back pocket we don't have to worry about it and it actually reminds me of you know when we first saw him perform at coachella my first reaction was he performed this like he knows he has a hit yeah 
you know like he played it and he was like i know this is gonna pop off and like i don't have to worry about it i just like know that like i'm just very confident mm-hmm. about the song i can just feel that from it so that's that's something i really really like about it another detail of note obviously we don't you know try to get into his personal life on this podcast but i just found it really cute that obviously he wrote this back in 2020 and there are obviously details in the song kind of hinting at the person that he is dating now. And I just I just found it really like, A, illuminating of the songwriting process, how things can sort of shift and change over time, and B, just like exceedingly charming that he would just have it in his personality to write this kind of a song. And then when he would, you know, start dating somebody, he would sprinkle in just some little details because the song would remind him of them. I don't know. I just find it unbearably cute. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that's a theory for sure. I feel like obviously we can't know how these things come together. We can't say um, for 100%, but it seems likely to me and I just find it very cute. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say on that. It does remind me though of something that he said where he was like, I think he said it in Howard Stern. I don't know. Something about how he like finds these kinds of like, I'm really into you love songs just like really easy to write. Yeah. And that was kind of eye opening for me because like obviously on this album we have multiple of those songs. And yeah, I just, I found that interesting where it was like this kind of song because, you know, it's very analogous to Adore You to Mm -hmm. me from Fine Line, which is like one of my favorite Harry songs ever. And so to think that like there are these two songs that are like totally different, but they have like kind of similar themes and like they're both these like great, easy to listen to fun pop songs. And he's like, yeah, like I could just keep writing those because like I find that really easy. And I'm like, really because like i like i don't know how somebody comes up with something like this yeah that 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 was like a funny element that is super crazy yeah you you are you are right especially like and phrasing it like that um because i think that's maybe the first time you phrase it in that exact way to me that is crazy that he is just sitting there like oh yeah we i could write 30 of those and i would just have (laughs) 30 of those and they would they would chart like crazy he i'm not a songwriter so that's like that's insane to me that, you, that he's just like, yeah, I could I could write 30 of those. I think it speaks to yeah. like that emotional, like that he finds that emotional place. To be easy to access. Very easy yeah. to write from. And it reminds me of like like Olivia, the One Direction yeah. song, which I think comes from a similar place. It reminds me of Adore You. Yeah. It's like I can yeah. kind of see that now that he said that, I can kind of put the puzzle mm-hmm. pieces together. We're like, oh, okay, I can see that that is true from his discography, which is really fun. Yeah, also... Um, golden i think because he said that i I guess it kind of makes sense connecting back to golden because he said that that was his first one from the fine line sessions although that has like that has undertones that yeah these other songs don't right like there's like an uncomplicated happy love song vibe to like adore you and late night talking and and olivia that i feel like golden has some like I don't know. Golden has a little bit of it does have some darkness, complicated lyrics to it. But I, I do feel like I feel like some of the energy from it, which is why it kind of makes sense that even in like an environment where he was planning on digging into some other stuff, it kind of makes sense why Golden would be an early session one for Fine Line Two. Anyway, so Key, what's your favorite lyric for Late Night Talking? I think it has to be. I've never been a fan of change, but I'd follow you to any place. I really like that lyric. Mm-hmm. I really like just that I've never been a fan of change because I just think it's like a little detail. I don't know. Like it doesn't really need those little details. Like I think you could mm-hmm. just go all the way with just the super like I'm in love with you type lyrics. But I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah, I've never been a fan of change. It has a little bit of personality to it. I think I think that's cute. What about you? If you're feeling down, I just want to make you happier, baby. Ah, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. 
I'm yours. Love it. Um, okay, so Key, let's get into grape juice. How do you feel about grape juice? Yeah, so I, from first listen, I thought it was a, a unique song. There's like this really kind of interesting little like knocking percussion sound in it. Like, I don't know if it's actually percussion. I'm like not like if you really want like a musical, here's the musical influences like take on this album. Please listen to the Rolling Stone Music Now podcast episode. Like Gray and I are providing our perspective. I, I am not a musical expert. So but I just know there's like this interesting little kind of noise, like knocking noise that is folded into the song that I really like. Um that kind of makes it unique and all these songs have these like little touches like that that you can tell that there's like so much attention to detail here yeah i i love how far back the verses sit um which kind of lets the chorus just like vibe out and like croon away right like that you have like there's like this effect or whatever it is on the verses that that make his voice kind of like further back in the mix um which i think it emphasizes kind of like my view of this song as like an easy listening song, right? Where like you can just kind of throw this song on whatever, like independent of context, like happy or sad, like energized or tired, like just throw this song on and it'll kind of like meet you where you're at. Yeah, I, I love the melody of this song. The, the he, he sings so often on this album, he's got like these ooh vowels going, which is like, I don't know, maybe that's a weird thing to say. I've spent like my whole life in choir. So I'm like, oh, it's an ooh vowel. I don't know if other people think that's weird, but this song definitely makes use of that where like almost the whole chorus is on that really, really nice and like focused ooh sound, which I just think like, I don't know, is just a really nice kind of like whistly sound that kind of complements the song. Yeah, I guess I just, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I will say that like, this song has probably been the biggest grower for me over the past week, a little over a week, where like on first listen, I liked it a lot, but it wasn't like a standout for me. And yeah, just like with time, I, I've i come to appreciate this song more, kind of like, especially with kind of like a deep understanding of like what it's actually about, which I think we can get into after I let you share all your thoughts on like the music and everything. So why don't you go, Gray? Yeah, I love the voice effect on this too and how the chorus is clean i love the drive and beat of this i feel similar to music for a sushi restaurant in that like if this ended up doing really well and being a single i feel like it would sound nothing like anything else and that would be really cool mm. i love the mellotron at the end that's really fun and yeah, I, I just think this song is really, really cute. It's really got a romantic comedy heroine vibes of Harry being, you know, just like drinking wine and thinking about love, you know? Yeah, so I guess that can kind of bring us into what this song's about. So like we didn't spend too much time with Sushi Restaurant or Lane Night talking on like what is this song about because like I don't know, those songs are fairly obvious what they're about. Like, I don't know how much we can really explicate there. It's like pretty on its face about what it's about. This is like, this song I feel like is the first instance of like a double, a direct double meaning mm-hmm. on the record, which Harry is fond of. And I think he's especially fond of on Harry's house. And I just find that to be like a really fun way to structure a song. Yeah. And so I think to kind of get into it, like, this song on its face, when you first listen to it, kind of sounds like a relationship or love song, right? You know, and then I, the more I listen to it, I feel like the song is just about wine. Yeah. <laughs> like the you in the song, you know, me and you is the wine. 
and I feel like looking at it through that lens made me like the song a lot more um, just because I think that's just a really like smart and good way to structure it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So kind of what are your thoughts on that, Gray? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Partly because I think I'm the one who pitched the idea to you. Yes, I, yeah. I, I didn't mean to take the credit on that. Gray did say that to me, and I was like, you're totally right. That's 100% what it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, which I think is just like, I think it's just a cool idea. I don't know. I, I especially like that it's wine. I, I guess maybe this is like, you know, this is just like a, such a such a small detail, but I feel like usually in um, songs about like, like men in songs like they usually like drink like beer and like hard spirits and stuff and i kind of i kind of like i don't know i like the admission that harry like he's not afraid to admit like yeah i like i sit alone with like a bottle of rouge you know like i'm red wine red wine mom you know Um, a tweet that was like between adele's i drink wine and harry's uh grape juice this is quite a year for songs about wine and i feel like for on post-COVID albums that really tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like this is one of those songs that kind of blends into what it what we were talking about before with, like, the different levels that you can read this album on, where, like, I feel like this song kind of doesn't demand much of you unless you choose to look deeper into it, where, yeah. like, you could be like, okay, it's a love song, and, like, Grape Juice Blues, that's, like, a cute way to refer to wine. It's like, there's not that much depth to it, whatever. You could look at it, oh, there's, like, a clever double meaning to this song, where, like, the you in this song is wine. And then I think also you could look through it in the lens of, like, Zane Lowe said in his interview with Harry that kind of this song kickstarts a little section of this album that he refers to as the dependency suite. And, like, I think I, I don't view the album exactly in that way. I think they're, like, s- like substance use, frankly, and, like, coping mechanisms is something that the album deals with a lot as a theme. And we'll be getting into that kind of more later as we talk about themes. But, yeah, I think, like, if you wanted to read more into this song in that vein, I think you could. There's, like, little details, like, even just the counting in it that I think you can kind of, if you want to bring something to it and choose to kind of read deeper into that, you could. Um, but I think the song kind of works at all those levels, depending on what you want to bring to it. So I, I personally, like when I'm tracking the themes of the album, that's kind of why this song sticks out to me is because it's like the first instance of this kind of like wider recurring theme. And I really like that about it. But like Mm -hmm. I said, I don't think it like demands, demands that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I do appreciate that there's that ambiguity there. I feel like, you know, we'll touch on this throughout the discussion of Harry's house, but obviously he's somebody who uh, has enjoyment of ambiguity. And I think that that's, you know, especially like, I feel like sometimes a lot of people want to like spoon feed you in media and stuff. So I I appreciate that you kind of have to like dig a little bit here. It's nice. So Key, what's your favorite lyric from Grape Juice? I think it has to be, there's just no getting through the Grape Juice blues. It's like, I don't know. I feel like, this encapsulates what we were saying before where like i don't know when i initially saw people kind of reacting to the song i feel like the fact that it's called the grape juice blues is key here like yeah like a like the blues implies that there's like some kind of undercurrent or angst to this song right so i think like i enjoy that that with that very last lyric he's kind of like cluing you in on that and I think that leads us into, as it was, the next song. So I kind of like yeah. that progression where, like, 
that little lyric leads you into that. But I also will say on the double meaning front, I got a shout out. I pay for it more than I did back then, Mm -hmm. which I think is another really clever line where like you could read it on multiple levels. You could read it literally. He's paying for the literal wine more than he did back then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You could read it that he's like, like people have been saying hangovers that like as you get older and you drink, like, you know, your hangovers are worse when you wake up. So you could read it on that level. Like you could read it as like a, a consequences in your uh-huh. life that you're like you're paying more for it consequences wise. I think like there's so many different ways you can read such like a simple little line, and I think I really like that about it. So yeah, I do yeah. too. What stands out for you lyric wise? My favorite line of this is "I'm so over whites and pinks," and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> I don't know if there are any uh, wine girls and gays in the audience right now, but I feel like there was a recent progression societally between like whites were like popular and then it was totally like pre-pandemic, like rosé was like the thing. And it seems like everybody is into reds right now, including me. I'm into reds right now. So I, 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 I don't know if this is specifically poking at that trend. When I heard this lyric, I was like, that's like the wine progression of everybody I've known in my life right now. Uh, let, let us know. If, I will if, take your word for it, Gray. Yeah. Key does not drink wine or otherwise. Um, so let us know if you are also over whites and pinks. But I just thought this was so funny because like, I, I, I don't know why I'm so amused to see wine trends pointed out in in songs but uh I, I found it i found it deeply amusing i'm also so over whites and pinks rouge all the way i will say so as we get to the end of this discussion about grape juice i think like something that i've noticed is that when harry has like a song that has a double meaning he'll often name the song after like an object or like a noun yeah so like we'll get into this like with like i think boyfriends you can read multiple ways so boyfriends is like a noun title for mm-hmm. a song you can read grape juice multiple ways even medicine like i don't really think that there's many ways you can read medicine but there's like a metaphor there between mm-hmm. like literal medicine and like the medicine that the song is talking about satellite too there's it, exactly it, it's, it's it's mostly straightforward but there's still a lot of double meanings that are pretty easy to, to pick out yeah no yeah that, so when you search note. for double meanings in harry Styles songs like get clued in by the fact that the title is a noun it's like yeah. what something i'm tracking throughout this which i think is kind of cool definitely okay so as it was yeah we can be a little bit quicker on this one just because like obviously we did an entire like i don't know hour hour 40 minute <laughs> plus hours, episode yeah. on it yeah so it's kind of hard to have thoughts on this song that like aren't colored by the fact that it was the first single so obviously i think when you listen to an album you're kind of going to like be less interested in the songs that you've already heard um so if you want to hear like our really initial thoughts on this song you can listen to our long and in-depth episode on it um but yeah to me it stands out from the rest of the album yes because we've heard it before but even just like i think this is the first song where grape juice you can kind of like i said you can bring to it what you want you could just listen to that as a happy carefree song this is a first song on the album that kind of has that darker and very obvious like undercurrent of sadness running through it so it stands out for that reason yeah i I think like still the guitar in the second verse into the little ring sound is still my favorite part of the song i love that about it um Overall, just on first listen, it's just hard for me because like Lights Up 
to me is like one of my favorite Harry songs and it's like the opening single of the last album. So I have like things that all work through on my own about like how I approach this song as like finalized or as Harry's house's first single. But yeah, I just looking deeper into the structure of Harry's house and its themes really opened up this song to me. I feel like it's like the perfect and the important song to start off this era with and to kind of introduce us to this album thematically. So yeah, these are kind of the things that I've been thinking about over the past week is like how this song fits into the album now that we have the whole thing and 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 all of that. But yeah, still really like the song. What about you, Gary? Yeah, I still love it on the 300th listen and I never <laughs> skip it because I'm like super cool and sexy. Uh, exactly. It's crazy to me that every single person on earth has heard this song. <laughs> it's probably playing in Antarctica on Antarctica radio with the scientists and the penguins. Uh, It's probably playing on MP3 players of whales in the ocean. Yeah, whales, please write write in and let us know your thoughts. I hear it's charting on Mars. Galaxy (laughs) Slay. Um, The satellites are, uh, yeah, they're broadcasting it. They're broadcasting it. Um, But yeah, no, I just think, I just think it's great that it's still charting. I'm very happy. Yeah. Key, what is your favorite lyric of this? It's the it's gotta be that part of the song, answer the phone, Harry, you're no good alone. Why are you sitting at home on the floor? What kind of pills are you on? And a huge reason for that is because he started to perform it in concert where he like has the audience say to him, Harry, you're no good alone, which I just really, really like. I feel like he thinks a lot in songs about like how is this going to work live and like there's kind of like some in jokes that he has with himself and like when he writes it and i feel like it it reminds me of you know everybody shouting the son of a bitch line from fine line and like just little details like that so i really like that aspect of it and also just say like i think this ties into what we were just talking about and like some of the recurring themes on the album when we think about kind of the undercurrents of this song that like is an upbeat song that's like pretty happy it's like he described it with Zane Lowe as like a dirge like when he first wrote it like I I feel like this is what drives me nuts when people are like yeah this is like a light like summery upbeat pop album and I'm like the lead single is like you're no good alone you're sitting at home on the floor like you're like like it's like very obvious and clear that like the song is like has a sad element to it so I feel like that's a clue on how to kind of like approach some of the songs in this album. And I think, yeah, I I really like how direct this song is about that. Um, And yeah, so that that lyric kind of stands out to me. What about you? Go home, get a headlight, speed internet. I don't want to talk about the way that it was. I just feel like it's very exemplary of my pandemic experience. Love it. Okay, so daylight. You got me cursing the daylight. Key, how do you feel about daylight? Yeah, so right from the beginning, for me, the lyrics were a huge standout for this song. I thought it had like a balance between like those super sweet lyrics of the chorus and kind of like, again, like the like undercurrent that's running through some of these songs. I have, so I took like notes, like, because I'm a weirdo, I guess. I did this before I ever even had a podcast. Like, I did this with a fine line when I first listened. I took notes on all the individual tracks. So these are my direct notes from when I first listened to the song after the album was over. I said, very indie movie or Netflix summer soundtrack vibes. So that was what I thought the vibes were. Yeah, I love the high harmony on the chorus. I just feel like the big synths that come in kind of, like, give a weight to the song that the rest of it doesn't really have because some of it has that kind of, like, light vibe that some of the 
rest of the album has and then those like big synths come in yeah so having sat for it with a week right we have that little james corden video for this which is super fun yeah i feel like this song is key to this album in terms of like this was what this was the song i was talking about when i was talking about the better homes and gardens shoot where we got the lyrics to the chorus of the song which are like if i was a bluebird blah 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 which sound mm-hmm. like this like very sweet love song and then you get the full song and you're like this is completely different than like what i was led to expect yeah yeah so that really struck me listening to it and yeah i don't know i the sound of it you got that uval again yeah i really like it what about you so i first heard this on howard stern uh which i think he you didn't listen to no, I think I did hear this song. The audio quality wasn't great. I was yeah. listening through it through a Twitter space, which was not the most ideal <laughs> first listening experience of uh, Daylight. Yeah, to, uh, needless to say. To listen to Harry on Howard Stern, I signed up for a predatory three-month uh, free trial <laughs> that I'm going to have to make a phone call to cancel. So, <laughs> so I... Uh, but it was worth it because um, I wanted to see Harry... And there's videos on there, so I'm watching the videos. Um, But yeah, so I first heard this on Howard Stern, and it totally blew my mind. I just, I couldn't believe that Harry sounded like this. Like, I just couldn't believe this album sounded like this, because everything I heard sounded so good. Um, It reminds me of, like, 2010's indie rock, kind of. Like, the ones that were really popular on 8-tracks back then. Um, If you don't know what 8-tracks is... And this is like the second dated reference in the, the past few minutes. I'm really sorry. But if you do know what Atrax is, hi, friend. Yeah, but basically this reminds me of indie rock from the 2010s. Um, and I, if I had it back then, it would have been on all of my fan fiction and character shipping playlists. Um, <laughs> that Because that was the kind of person I was in my early 20s. Okay, um, so I love the synths on this. It's great. I think it's funny and cute that he says, I'm cursing the daylight, but he pronounces it cursing. <laughs> I'll really have to cute. listen to that next time because that is not something I took from it. So. You got me cursing the daylight. <laughs> um, the first cocaine mention uh, is here. Hello. Yeah, that's, yeah, we didn't mention that. That's, uh, yeah. The chorus on the song is really iconic, and I love the way he says, dip you in honey. Like, like, (laughs) dip you in honey is, like, one word he says, dip you in honey. I love it. So I found it really interesting that Harry said the song is about chasing troubled things. They worked on this one as a sort of all-nighter, knowing if they didn't finish it by morning, it wouldn't be the same. Um, And that definitely parallels... Uh, the lyrics of ain't gonna sleep till the daylight so i just think that's really i think that's really interesting yeah it's kind of like how like the lyrics of the chorus not only are about this situation but like bizarrely also are about the experience of writing the song is fun yeah i think like the chasing troubled things uh quote is so interesting because again this is an example of like i feel like harry's being pretty open about how like not all of these songs are like super light and breezy and then like not i feel like that isn't always like what people take from it where like i think this song there's like an intentional juxtaposition juxtaposition right between like the almost like saccharine yeah lyrics of the chorus and the actual situation which is he's dating somebody who's doing cocaine in his kitchen 
<laughs> well, and uh, it's not that that isn't mutual, which right, we'll find right. out throughout the record. But yeah, th- th- there's that intentional yeah. juxtaposition, I think, between those lyrics and the chorus and kind of like some of the other lyrics throughout the song. And that yeah. is just something that I feel like it's pretty obvious with the song, with the, with the lyrics and the verses. So yeah, to kind of getting into the lyrics, like what, what was your favorite lyric in the song, Gray? I have two. I do, I do love, if I was a bluebird, I would fly to you. You'd be the spoon. Tiffy and honey, so I could be singing to you, which I think is a really extremely beautiful and saccharine way to say that you are needy and clingy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think like, this is something again, where it's like, when you hear those lyrics out of context, you're like, Oh, this is just like a kind of saccharine way to say that you love somebody that you want to be with them, whatever. Yeah. Then you, in the context of the song, you hear it and you're like, okay, if I was a bluebird, I would fly to you. What does that mean? Right. You're not together. You're not together. Exactly. When he's saying at the beginning of the song, like you're on an airplane or what's lyric like you know the the point being that they're not together and they're in different places yeah and it's this constant kind of like him wishing that this was like a more stable like i don't know situation, situation that yeah. worked better that just doesn't and it so just doesn't. yeah yeah i really i like that aspect of it a lot yeah so i yeah i love it um and then i also love uh the honorable mention of get the picture cut out my middle you ain't got time for me right now i'm like oh Oh my okay, goodness. what does that mean? Can you break that down for me? Because I, I don't. That's not clear to me. I don't think that it has like a specific meaning. I just okay. feel like I just feel like the pic that I have the image of his lover taking a picture of him and like cutting out the middle, and it's just like he just wants the the lover. You know, I don't know. It's it's just it's just it, I feel like it has an emotion, but I don't have like the words for it. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that because it's not like I feel like this album again. I'm, it's still like even a week later. There's like I'm sure months and months later, we're we're still kind of going to be parsing through this and figuring out what these lyrics mean. I, I mean, I definitely feel like get get the picture. You know, right? It's like you break that down. And you go like get the pictures slang for understand the situation and you play right. with it like you can cut up a picture so you can cut out the middle of him um because like you know cut out the middle that's saying like you f- feel empty you ain't got mm. time for me right now it's yeah, not filling the empty sp- not filling the empty space so yeah i like that so it's sort of progression maybe some mixed metaphors i don't know but i feel like it's like i feel like when you hear it and like you put it together it makes you feel you know you feel it in you yeah some of this i feel like is like what i said before about how like some of these lyrics to me feel like they're from a notebook that he was like you know going through life and like just writing down little like phrases of i don't know things he would think of things that have happened that like out of context like it's not entirely clear but you can kind of feel that there's something behind it that we don't know that it's kind of an interesting style to play with so Mm -hmm. yeah i like that too what's your favorite lyric key it's got to be, you were just doing cocaine in my kitchen. You never listen. I hope you're missing me by now, which is a bar. Like, that's just a bar. Like, that lyric is just great. It's like, so what do good. I even say? It probably would have been, okay, so he chose the favorite lyric here before I did. That probably would have been, like, definitely one one of mine. Because, like... It's undeniable. You were just doing the alliteration of cocaine in my kitchen. And then the next line is, I'm in kitchen with listen. And then rhyming listen with missing, but then missing is not the end. 
hope you're missing me by now. It's so good. Yeah, it's it great. sounds great. And it like it's just very evocative, too. I just feel like with those three lines, you're like, okay, I got it. Completely understand the relationship that he's talking about. Like, I, I get it. I understand it. And that's, yeah, what a bar. Great lyric. Um, I also just will shout out, I was nosebleeding looking for life out there, specifically like the looking for life out there part, which he repeats yeah. twice. There's just something about that, again, that I just feel so evocative. Kind of reminds me of Satellite that he's playing with like, I don't know, that kind of like outer space, yeah. spacey, alienated imagery that I really like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really like this song lyrically. I feel like it's probably one of the strongest on the album. So yeah. shout out to Daylight. Okay, so Little Freak. So Keith, what are your initial thoughts on Little Freak? Yeah, so I guess this is one of the initially more complicated ones to me where like, I think it's because on first listen, the multi-layered harmonies of the song are so pretty. I'm just so taken with the sound of the chorus of this song. Again, you have that like Uval thing that he's got going on in a lot of the choruses of this album. Yeah, I just, the guitar over the chorus is so beautiful. The production is really nice. How his vocals kind of like echoey on this song. I just love the sound of the chorus so much. And the lyrics of the chorus are so simple and beautiful. And they just like get across so much with like just very simple lyrics. That being said, there are some other lyrics of the song that just like don't really do it for me very much at all. And this is kind of like the first song in the album where that's the case. So yeah, like Jezebel, I struggle with a little bit. You hide the body, all that yoga gave you. I'm like, it harkens a little bit back to some of like the HS1 imagery there and like writing style that like fine line completely left behind so i was kind of surprised at that but then i think you know learning more about this song this is like the earliest song that was written for this album we know that he wrote it with kid harpoon at a hotel in japan so this like predates even some of when fine line was written so looking at it in that context i think that makes sense that being said like yeah it's just it's complicated for me because a song isn't made or broken by two lyrics but you know because every other song on this album I'm like so enthused by and I'm so enthused by the chorus of the song I'm kind of like uh those little lyrics that throw me out of it I'm like why but overall I really like the song especially the chorus what about you I think the multi-layered harmonies are good Uh, I think the song sounds a little one directiony now I feel like it sounds like (laughs) that's a take people might that's a hot take that I I feel like it sounds like a really like good one direction song that sounds like an insult it's not i like one direction songs we have a whole episode on how i like some one direction songs <laughs> it just sounds like that style when he wrote with them a little bit more and maybe it's because like the multi-part harmonies kind of remind me of it but it's also mm. kind of like i don't know the chorus somehow it reminds me of like one specifically and i don't know which one because i'm not is it like if I could fly? It's it, I'm trying to think of like the slower. Um, no, it's it's that he it's, wrote for them. it's kind of I think it's it's similar to one he wrote on Midnight Memories. Maybe anyway, it it doesn't it doesn't totally matter. Um, but it does it does remind me kind of it reminds me some of his some of his earlier work. I don't really like the Jezebel thing either. I don't think that he says it in like a way that sounds mean or anything. But absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's a very fun it, song. It, it, it doesn't. Sure. It doesn't feel. You know, we'll we'll talk later 
about some themes of this album. I kind of think that uh, this this song might be a, like a dream, and so that kind of might play into this a little bit. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's the worst thing ever, but I don't really like it either. That 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 line specifically, yeah. Yeah, this is probably my least favorite song on the album. It has grown on me a lot, especially seeing him perform it live because he seems to be like I don't know something about like the nostalgic feeling of it I feel like really comes through in live performance yeah it's interesting you can tell like he really gets emotional when hearing this chorus sung back at him live which I think is interesting and I love that about it too I think too kind of thinking about this song and all the things we've discussed through the lens of like Gray and I have you know talked about this before we recorded in terms of like seeing the beginning as maybe like him waking up from a dream remembering this person and then like the song kind of being looking back on someone that he hasn't seen in a long time or or been with in a long time or whatever um and so we don't know how far back that goes it could be months it could be years i kind of the way i kind of see this as like is that it's really old so so that kind of chorus of like I'm not worried about where you are or who you go home to. I'm just thinking about you. Is like yeah, just kind of like when you're older and you're just thinking back to somebody that you maybe haven't seen in a long time. In that respect, kind of these lyrics that harken back to like an earlier writing style from him. Maybe hopefully, um, <laughs> I I can kind of like look on a little bit kinder because there's kind of like a harkening back to an immature time that I think is inherent in the song. Yeah. That being said, I, yeah, to me, and this isn't a specific knock on this song, I think it's like in comparison to the other songs this album, which just don't have that element to me, it, it's not one of my like top songs in the record either. But that that chorus, I do feel is like undeniable, yeah. right? I mean, it's just a really powerful chorus, so. Yeah, I feel like track six of Harry Albums may be cursed because... <laughs> Only Angel and... That's a hot take, for sure. Only Angel and Falling are also track six. And I like both of those songs live, but on the record, I don't as much. Uh, and I have I have issues with, with both of them. So I guess, I guess we'll look forward to track six on HS4, which I probably <laughs> will have complicated feelings about. Yeah, I guess that's the trend. Tune um... in in three years... Yeah. So that (laughs) being so that being said, you know, we've talked a lot about the lyrics in the song. What are your favorite ones? So my favorite lyric is, "Did you dress up for Halloween?" I love the way that he says Halloween, and then he rhymes it like a few sentences later with trampoline, which I think is really (laughs) admirable. I've never heard in a song before somebody rhyming Halloween with trampoline, and I really, I just really like that he did. I, there's, it's nothing like deep about that. I just think that rhyming Halloween and trampoline is really good. I also feel like this, like, you know, and we don't know, like, obviously adults dress up for Halloween and go to Halloween parties and adults go on trampolines, but there is something kind of like juvenile about right. both of those things together that like come together to kind of produce that like kind of more adolescent attitude that I feel like is in this song. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Key? I just gotta shout out this entire chorus that I'm not worried about where you are or who you'll go home to. I'm just thinking about you. Like it's so I sweet. just I, I like that it just doesn't ask anything of the person. Like it's mm-hmm. just a statement of fact. Like I'm just thinking about you. And it's not about asking for anything or like rekindling things it's just kind of 
reflecting on the past and like past mistakes, you know, mm -hmm. especially in that one part of the song where he says like, I disrespected you, which I love how he says that. Like there's something so raw about like that particular, the way he says that lyric in the song that I really, really like. Maybe he means that when he called her Jezebel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i i was having a conversation with somebody who tried to make the argument that those lyrics are like really self-aware and that that's like the point and i'm i'm not sure i would quite go that far but i definitely I, the, the song is consistent for me in in you know in everything we've talked about so i don't know it's a, it's a complex one but i I know this is a favorite of a lot of people, yeah. so I hope nobody's like disappointed that we're like, but we like the song. We don't There's hate just, it. You know, and, gonna... and if Harry had, you know, ever spoken about this and had said like, oh, that I disrespected you is kind of meant to be refuting the first line or whatever. I think that like, that would make perfect sense to me. And I, it might have been what was intended, but I don't, I don't. I don't really read it that way personally. I, I don't know. I have complicated feelings about this song but it is pretty i don't i don't ever skip it i like it so yeah it's beautiful to listen yeah. to i will really look forward to shouting that chorus at him yeah at the live concert and it's gonna be really fun yeah i i think you know maybe he was emotional because he wrote it so long ago pre-covid so it's like emotional to get that back at you you know yeah. after so long of not ever hearing thinking you might not hear that ever maybe it's because you know this is about a relationship that's long past, and so that's emotional. I don't know, but mm -hmm. I, it is a really nice moment at a live show, and I'm I'm looking forward to experiencing that. Yeah. So I'm really yeah, excited. That's a little freak. Okay, Matilda. So he, how do you oh, feel about Matilda? Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matilda for me is an instant standout from first listen. I think sitting with the album for over a week, it might be the standout. Not even musically, because I think smartly the song is very spare musically, because I think it knows that what's important is the message that's being conveyed. And I think like he's tried to do that before in songs like Falling, and I just don't think it's really worked. And so I think this is like really what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like the strength of the ballads on this record. Like I just think this song is so well chosen and well put and it's on a very serious subject matter so i think it really needs to be careful and considered and i think yeah it's just it, it just could so easily be trite but it's not i i feel like it, it reads perfectly genuine I, I i even think some of it is subtle like i just think there's a warmth to this song that really makes it stand out on the album where like some of these other songs you have that dichotomy between like this undercurrent of kind of like sadness but and, and then like a poppy banging sound and like all of that is absent from this song it's just like straight with you it's genuine it's warm yeah i just i love this song i feel like it's undeniably stand out on the album what about for you gray the guitar on this song is so pretty um the lyricism is really gorgeous in the song i feel like this song was written for me because matilda was my favorite book as a kid thank you harry uh his voice is really beautiful in the song it's just a very gentle and lovely song. As I said, it's very popular, uh, and I'm concerned for everybody. Is everyone okay? Like, do you need, like, some water? Do you need, like, a hug? There's, like, a telephone sound effect near the end that is really good. Um, Rob Sheffield, in his analysis of Matilda, because he thought it was a standout, um, he's a critic for Rolling Stone, he pointed out that, like, 
this is definitely going to resonate with a lot of Harry's LGBT audience. Um, I think that that's sure. pretty yeah. pretty obvious. I know it resonated with me and my friends. So yeah, I uh, I think that that's just a really lovely element of the song as well, and definitely one reason why it is very popular. Yeah, kind of themes of like you know found family. And yeah, like I like that was the part of the song that made me cry. This is the second time I cried listening yeah. to the album on first listen, and it was like I say I cry at like the happy <laughs> lyrics, and it was the. Um, for me it's it's that line like you can start a family that is so it's like yeah for such heavy subject matter for kind of like the yeah the the message of this song to be such a kind of happy and like encouraging Mm -hmm. like this can be yours is really meaningful um yeah and he's just really good at conveying the emotion of it with his voice i feel like part of that again is what we were saying before about how he doesn't feel the need to over sing it's like yeah he doesn't overdo it it's almost encompassed by that line of the song that is um like it's none of my business but i've been thinking about it Mm -hmm. like again like this song is easy to fuck up like if if it tried too hard to be something then it would mess that up and it just doesn't do that i feel like on the construction of it around Matilda, the Roald Dahl book, I feel like that's really smart. Not only because it's like a cultural reference that people, you know, are going to understand and relate to, but also because I feel like it's respectful. I feel like it puts less pressure on the person that it's about. Um, and Harry said in the Zane Lowe interview that it is about a specific person, a specific interaction he had with someone at least. And I think this is like a real point of growth, I feel like, for Harry's songwriting too, where like I feel like naming it Matilda and kind of structuring it around this idea of the Roald Dahl book, yeah, I guess puts less pressure on that story and that person Mm -hmm. and kind of like lets it have this other meaning that's more obvious for people to kind of grasp onto that like kind of lets the song live in like more of a subtle place. So yeah, I I think that that was really well chosen. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So what's your favorite lyric for this key? Yeah, so like I said, the you can start a family who will always show you love thing is like just wow. Um, and I think at shows, live shows, that's going to be really special because I feel like Harry's shows are such a space for people to kind of come together. And and I feel like that hearing that line it, with like a completely silent arena is going to be really special. I'll also say you're just in time, make your tea and your toast, I think is a really kind of clever line here too because it really kind of grounds this song in the concept of the album of like Uh Harry's house and like home that's like you can make your home here and like welcome here and it's kind of like those domestic like food lyrics that are recurring throughout the album but used specifically here at the album's midpoint to kind of explicitly reference that and so I really feel like this song is like key to the album structurally Uh and using that kind of like yeah explicit acknowledgement of home in this song i really i really like so yeah yeah that's one of my favorite lyrics what about you so three one is when he says you don't have to go home that is just a lot i know they won't hurt you anymore as long as you can let them go he sounds really beautiful when he sings that and you don't have to be sorry for doing it on your own it's just such an empathetic song especially you know as you know, he has said he hasn't had this exact um, experience. And so, you know, just like, I don't know, it's just it's just so gentle and lovely. It's just, it's great. Yeah, this is one of those songs where you just know that like, this is a key part of his discography that 
is just going to stick around for a long time, you know? Yeah. It looks like it's going to do extremely well. Uh, again, I am concerned for people, but, you know, it's... it's. I'm glad that people are, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that people are getting... I'm glad that it's know, resonating with people song. who it's, clearly yeah. need it, you know? Like, if, yeah. if this song was something that was really needed in this world, I'm just, like, I'm so happy that he made it and that he could tell that it was, like, something that was, like, needed in the world. I think that that's really cool. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. So in a completely... <laughs> <laughs> let us let us recreate the experience of listening to the album and a make a hard, hard left, left turn. into cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Key... Uh, first off, what was your experience of going from Matilda to cinema the first time that you heard it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's definitely it's definitely a hard turn. I <laughs> honestly feel like my first time listening to the album, it, you're like so caught up in the you're for listening to the album for the first time that it, like I didn't think much about it. But yeah, it's 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 certainly I, I we'll get into again our thoughts on the structure of this album, and I I think that this is really interesting and kind of like a fruitful thing to look into the transition between Matilda into cinema um but yeah boy what a what, what a contrast i will say on the record this is where you turn the record over and so like if you're listening if you're listening to this on spotify it's a hard left turn but uh if you're listening to it on record it stops and then you can like wipe your tears from matilda and you can turn the record over <laughs> yeah so uh key now what are your thoughts on you got you got the cinema yeah, so I I really went throughout a journey on this song in the past week where, like, on first listen, I was like, the lyrics just don't really work for me. Like, I just, I wasn't in on it. It was just a bit too on the nose. Like, even just the word cinema, I think part of this is, like, how people in the UK use that word, where in the US we just don't use it in the same way. But even just that word in the song, like, I just was, like, used weirdly to me. I, I did say, like, the do you think I'm cool too or am I too into you part is great. Like, that part of the chorus I really, really, I always liked. The, the sound of the song I always really liked. The song grooves super well. The breakdown of the guitar is really, really fun. So I was never out on the, the sound of the song. But I mean, just, like, mm-hmm. when we get intimate, like, I, it was just, like, I, those lyrics, like, I was, like, the music basically saved the song for me, but I'm not super into the lyrics. Now, this being said, I've come around on this song because... I think that this song is camp. <laughs> that's my that's my take. And I have come around on this due to seeing a video of Harry's amazing stylist, Harry Lambert, dancing to the song and a video of Harry in concert kind of laughing along to the song as he performs it. And I just like, when I first listened to it, I was like, well, Harry's a very, very self-aware person. So like he can't have written the lyric, you pop when we get intimate without an element of self-awareness, right? But I was like, but I don't know if it like the song makes that obvious. So I was like, not sure. But then with those with that context, I've decided. You're like, like oh camp. yeah, definitely. He, he knows that it's yeah. funny. <laughs> right. Where I'm like, this to me is like actually reminiscent of Treat People with Kindness, where I was kind of out on Treat People with Kindness. Not out, because I always loved the, the the music of it, but I felt a little bit similarly about Treat People with Kindness on first listen for Fine Line, where I was like it's a little on the nose. Like, I don't know if this is really for me. Like, it's going to be really, really fun live, but like, I'm unsure about it. And then like, I saw it performed live and it, and I had time with it. And I was like, oh, I get it. That's kind of where I'm at with this song now. So yeah, that's like the journey of how I, I this is the journey I've gone through with, with this song. What about you? So 
I would like to tell a little story to our listeners. So I had a friend who had perhaps uh, gotten their hands upon a copy of cinema, uh, perhaps before they were supposed to, and told me with my request sort of uh, some of the gist of what was in the song. And within this piece of information, they nestled a rumor into my brain that the song contained a rap breakdown. (laughs) And uh, they were like, yeah, cinema has rapping. And they also told me a few of the other lyrics to the song. And so for like about a a month up until the album release, I was really nervous because they were like convincing me. They were like, Yes, there's a rap breakdown, but don't worry, it's going to be good. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling feeling really like a lot of anticipation about the song. They listen to this song. There's no rap breakdown. There's no rapping in cinema. So, Ava, we're going to call you out by name here. Ava. Thanks for lying. Thanks. Yeah, so this song, this song is definitely camp. And I, I love, I love the song. I especially love that there's no rapping on it. Um <laughs> Uh, I feel like the song is like like sexy anxiety. Like I in songs like this, I'm kind of thinking of some like the Justin Timberlake songs where he's like so like cool and like confident and like like kind of bragging. Like in in these songs, usually guys are like bragging about how like how good they are with women and like how they are the sexiest guy in the entire world. And in the song, like Harry, he's like feeling like his partner is like so much cooler than him and like is he like too yeah, into her not like super impressed with his own like sexual prowess or anything there's clearly like mutual enjoyment and fun going on um at which i just think is so lovely and i yeah the vocals in the song are so good so he makes he makes the dorkiness and like anxiety of it like sexy and i just feel like okay i just feel like the song is like one of those cultural artifacts and i just that's just like there's like these 50 years from now there's gonna be this show on like vh1 called i love the 2020s and so it's gonna be like remember that crazy song cinema that harry styles wrote about olivia wilde i mean i bring pop to the cinema you pop when we get intimate and the commentator is gonna be like niall you know what i mean like (laughs) <laughs> no, don't manifest this for Niall. Uh, maybe Liam, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, I feel like Liam would love doing it, but like Niall would be like a way better guest. And this is not me mm. saying that Niall will be unsuccessful when he's older. I just feel like Niall is going to be like somebody who's going to be like really willing to talk to people, to like do interviews. <laughs> like Paul McCartney does now. Like if you ask Paul McCartney anything about the Beatles, he'll like, he'll like say yes. He'll just give, like, any interview. And I feel like Niall is just, like, really friendly and is going to be that guy in the future. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, Niall's on I Love the 2020s, talking about I Bring Pop to the Cinema. I, I can't help it. I love that cultural artifact element. Um, in that aspect alone, it reminds me of Style by Taylor Swift. It doesn't have, like, totally. anything else in common with it. But it's, like, you listen to it and you're like, okay, yes. It's a very direct <laughs> it's very song direct. about another celebrity that is sort of using a pun-ish yeah. as a name. I think, again, you've got the noun sort of double meaning thing here. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like, yeah, there's, like, it, it's so interesting. I think, like, 
you could take again you could take the song on its face in which case like some of the lyrics don't totally work for me you could look at it which i kind of do as like kind of like a knowing it's a knowing way not parody of style but like like okay you want me to write my (laughs) version of style yeah like this is what i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you like you pop when we get intimate like that's what i'm gonna give you like yeah that there's that element (laughs) of it i really really like i enjoy like you want me to write a super super direct song about my relationship with olivia wilde like it's just such a troll but you're gonna have to hear me for two minutes Like, over, like, a funky guitar, say, I bring pop to the cinema. You know, like, uh-huh. that kind of thing is very funny to me about it's it. It's so cheeky. Um, yeah, and I really like that. And I really like the idea of, like, going to it in concert, to see him in concert. And, like, I just think this would be such a fun song That's so live. Because to have that kind of fun and, and wink and, like, it, it's, yeah, that with that humor in it, I think, is really fun. So I've come around on this. I still think that, like, I'm just... You know, Gray, I feel like, is somebody who, like, really, really embraces the camp. And so that from you from the beginning was, like, not an issue. I'm, like, I I, I struggle against it a little bit more. But I'm, like, I am more on team cinema now than I was when I first got the album. So I can only assume that from here on out that will continue to be the case. Okay. Favorite lyric? It's got to be, do you think I'm cool too or am I too into you? It's, like, I just love that the artist Harry Styles sung that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you think he think he worries he's not cool enough? He's just like me for real. Okay, I love you got the cinema. I bring the pop to the cinema. You pop when we get intimate. It's just it's, it's perfect. It's camp. It's perfect. People. No, it, it, I, I I do I again I do love that like I don't know. It's funny. Like people do complain that he's like not personal enough, and I just feel like he was just like you want me to get more personal. Okay, here's here's as personal as I can possibly get. This is explicitly about having sex with my girlfriend and who the two people are in the relationship. And in the pop cultural and landscape. And in the pop cultural landscape. <laughs> She's so funny. And it's just like never what I would have expected I know. from him ever. And he, he's he's like, here, this is what you wanted, right? right? I bring you this is what you wanted, right? This is what you want. <laughs> and everybody's like, but we I don't, I don't know if we, he's like, here, take it. I bring pop yeah. to the cinema. <laughs> I really enjoy he's that. He's so funny. I'm sorry. He's just like, he's, he, he is. He's just so funny. Like, and it works because the music is great right. too. The like music, the groove of like it if, is if the music, great, yeah. if the music wasn't amazing, then the song like wouldn't work. Then it would just be like, kind of like weird. But because the music is so good, you can't help but groove to it. And then eventually you're like, he's it on. He, this is, this is a joke. Yeah, I think so. And I think like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, if people do approach the song in like a very direct way, I don't want to like, you know, crap all over the way you see the song. At no, all. no, no, no. But that is like, that way is the way that I prefer to see it. Cause I yeah. think that that's, yeah, I, that's where I get yeah. the most from it. I just think it's very cheeky and fun. I love it so much. I love Harry Styles. Shockingly. <laughs> okay. Let's... Two hours into our recording. Oh, yeah. What God. a shock. Okay, so Key, how do you feel about daydreaming? Yeah, this one we're going to go through kind of quicker because I feel like I, you know, all I have to say about it really is that I like it. The backing vocals are super fun. So that's like the sample right from, uh, what's the name of the song that they sampled it from? Ain't We Funkin' Now. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, immediately singing along. The horns are really fun. Just a groovy bop. It's going to be fun live. That's really 
I'll have to say about it. It's not one of the ones that super stands out to me. I think because like we've covered the thematic ground before, you know, that this song kind of covers. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy the sample. What about you? Yeah, I think it's a really good song. I want to dance to it. I want to dance to it in the club. That's it. I, I it's just it's just a really good disco song and. I mean, the lyrics aren't that complex, and they don't have to be, and I love it. It's awesome. I think it's about uh, giving me all of your love and giving me something to dream about. That is accurate. And those are like the 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 four lyrics, so um, <laughs> that's going to be both of our favorite lyric. We've been recording for over two hours, so if you guys wanted something more uh, detailed on daydreaming, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they all be gone for so long, I like, because it's like... yeah, I. I think there's like you create a little story there about like mm-hmm. being on tour and being away from somebody. So, but that's as deep as it goes, really. I don't, like, yeah, it's a fun song musically, but it's yeah, that that's what I think of it basically. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. Okay, so now we're doing uh, keep driving. Key, how do you feel about keep driving? So maybe you will notice why we needed to uh, brush through daydreaming because <laughs> keep driving might be my favorite song on the album. Yeah. I think it is my favorite song on the album. Um, this like portion of the album is just like super strong. Um, so kind of all the songs that we're going to be getting into now are just like really great. But this one in particular, from first listen, I just loved it. I loved, loved the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like kind of the apex of this style of like journalistic or like snapshot lyrics that this album plays with a lot. I love how the instrumental kind of complements the subtle vocals. So it's just where like the lyrics escalate and the vocals don't. The lyrics escalate and the music often doesn't. Besides from that one synth that kicks in, it's just like the this is this song to me is like the perfect example of how the sound, the lyrics, everything about it just like comes together in such a perfect way. Like, it might be his best song lyrically, like, so far of his catalog. That's, like, a big statement, but that's how I feel. Yeah, it's, like, to me, you know, it's, like, that lower key instrumental, right? This It's almost like the song keeps driving along, right? Like, the song is almost, like, ignoring the lyrics, which is, like, perfectly matched with the actual mm-hmm. themes of the song of, like, the, yeah, the, the, the kind of ignoring warning signs type deal. I don't know. It's It's another one of those songs that's kind of an easy listener- you could put on at any time, but that really, really rewards the deeper look and the deeper analysis. So I don't know. I love it. I think it's the best song on the album probably. What about you, Gray? Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, I it's it's definitely up there for best songs Harry's ever written for me, definitely. Uh, I refer to it as a Canyon Moon's <laughs> coked out sister. Um, I just feel like I feel like there's something I don't know. Candy Moon has always made me think of like a like a happy and warm road trip, and keep driving Not is a uh, much less happy one. Yeah, yeah. There's def- there's certain like vocals in the, in the song where his voice kind of like shakes, like he's trying to hold it together. The performance is just really beautiful. Thematically, it reminds me of one of my favorite Mountain Goat songs, uh, Southwood Plantation Road. Again, I know that this is a niche reference, but I feel like the people who will appreciate it will appreciate that. I did a poll. I did a poll on my Twitter, twitter.com, 
is a website you may have heard of, about which lyrical reference is currently fucking most with the perception you had of Harry before Harry's house. And I gave the option of choking cocaine and other. We don't have time to tell all of the stories of the other in this podcast right now. They were amusing. But choking versus cocaine, 59% choking, 32.4% cocaine. People were more shocked by choke her with a sea view than they were by Harry Styles doing drugs. I will not disclose which of those options I voted for. <laughs> I feel like I did that poll with anonymity, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, no, this is funny because I feel like, you know, in talking about the lyrics of the song in general, and we're going to try, like, I, I'm really, really tempted to just, like, close read this song, and, like, we just aren't going to do that here. We don't have the time. We, we, also would, love to, the future. we would love to some other yeah, time. Yeah, and I feel like this yeah. song would really reward that, but that lyric in particular, like, cocaine side boob choker with a sea view is like seeing that lyric out of context which i think i did in reviews before the album came out i was like what like there's no way that like like you just cannot believe that that's like a lyric in one of these songs like it just like out of context it doesn't you're like what but then in context i feel like it's a really great lyric like no holds barred no irony just like a great lyric that fits perfectly in this moment of the song that's like mm-hmm works really well as like a moment of contrast between kind of like those other domestic lyrics and then that that's building the song to this this climax that then just gets torn down and reduced again at the last moment of the song it's like i don't know i just think it's Mm -hmm. a fucking brilliant song and i yeah it's great it is i i love that lyric and i love this entire song I feel a little weird that it seems like cocaine side boob choker with a sea view might become one of the parts of the uh, tour where people. I love shout that. It back I can't wait. It's... It, it was a very nice, genuine moment at the, <laughs> at the one night only show in London where he was like, "I'm trying yeah. to be more open. Like I've been trying to share more, and I didn't process that I like I'm gonna sing this that that I had to sing that lyric <laughs> with my mother in the audience. It was like a nice moment." Um, <laughs> the strange life of a pop star where you're expected to be vulnerable and share things in your life and also you have to contend with the fact that you're a real person who has real family and that they also are going to listen to all of your music so he said that also that he wrote this song in the countryside with mitch which is like i just mitch roland's brain is something that just like really intrigues me and i just want to kind of mess around in there because I just, Mitch is like so silent, but also like, I just feel like he has such a strong vibe and I'm like, of course that this is a song Harry and Mitch wrote together. I need, I need the documentary footage for the, that's in the archive for the Harry documentary in 50 years. Like I need that footage of them writing the song, how it all went down. Uh Let me break it down for favorite lyrics for me. So obviously there's that entire section of the song, right? Which like, I, I'm really tempted to just read the whole song here, but like, Passports and Footwells, Kisser and Don't Tells, Wine Glass, Puff Pass, Tea with Cyborgs, Riot America, Science and Edibles, Life Hacks Going Viral in the Bathroom, plus the stuff we wrote before. It's like that section of the song is so beautifully written. And it's so Mm -hmm. these little snapshots where some of them tea with cyborgs. Like I've been talking with people about what that could mean. Does that mean, you know, having a meal with people acting like robots, people are unfeeling? Does it mean being on Zoom, you know, with people during COVID? There's like, it's so fun to like unpack these little things that like to him you assume are meaningful but to us like 
We're just trying to parse what we can from the little context we have, these little snapshots, how it all comes together and culminates. It's like that whole section of the song is so beautifully written. But what I really have to shout out for my favorite lyric of the song, which I think is my favorite lyric on the album, is a small concern with how the engine sounds. We held darkness and withheld clouds, which I feel like is just like a very poetic <laughs> lyric for like a lot of Harry's choruses are like, I, I think it's actually a really great songwriting style that he has where a lot of his courses are like pretty direct and like simple lines and this is such a poetic like beautiful way to phrase this kind of dark idea how i would read this a small concern with how the engine sounds we held darkness and withheld clouds it's like there's something wrong here on the edges like you're you're hearing you see this warning sign there's the engine sounds off there's darkness in the clouds on the horizon but you're ignoring that you're just keeping driving i thought like there's different ways you can interpret the song you can see it in a lighter way than that where it's like you know the different things trying to encroach on your relationship that don't quite succeed i view it as like kind of a dark song in terms of maybe not dark but like you know yeah ignoring those warning signs this relationship that's kind of chaotic that you have these moments of like you know i will always love you these domestic things that you see in songs like daylight that are then juxtaposed you've got a similar thing going on here where the the kind of breakfast food is being juxtaposed with the cocaine side boob truck with the sea view thing like this is an intentional moment of those lyrics contrasting each other i don't know i'm rambling now but i just it's a beautifully written song gray save me by saying your favorite lyric it's hard when you before i could pick my favorite lyric he put half the song in here no but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love, I love, you know, I, I feel like a lot of reviewers picked out maple syrup coffee pancakes for two, hash brown, egg yolk, I will always love you. But I like this lyric on a deeper and more intellectual <laughs> level than they ever will. <laughs> You're right, though. <laughs> but I just love that that juxtaposes with lines that are like, toothache, bad move, just act normal. There's definitely a theme of like, this yearning for domesticity from Harry on this album um, and the way that he says, I will always love you. is just like, you just feel that, that yearning for that domesticity um, within him. I, I feel like that's like so juxtaposed with this situation that's so clearly wrong, but that he wants to be, he wants it to be okay because this is like, this like, this pure domestic love where you are just like doing something as simple as having breakfast together. Um, and it's just like this, like forever love. Can you have these sweet moments and make this other stuff seem to not matter? Can you like, can you like ignore the rumblings of this troubled engine? If it means that you can have these moments with this person that are what you want out of life. Damn. <laughs> it's, it's very obvious in the song that this is not sustainable. You know, when you have a car uh, and the engine is making noise, eventually something is going to go terribly wrong. And so the the threat of that... Um, looming in those dark clouds. Looming is, is, is very real, even before you get to the parts of the song that are like this extremely intense experience where like oh my god you really want to assist me with this person but you're also like doing drugs with this person and like you know all of this you that know very escalates intense in a way that's framed in yeah 
Exactly. Right. And the Just Act Normal is key here too, right? Where it's like Zane Lowe, we know when he talked about the song with Harry and I feel like Zane Lowe, Zane Lowe, I feel like is getting the parts of these songs that sometimes I feel like pass people by where he said, you know, when they were talking about the song and talking about driving in general, he referred to it, I think, as like, God, not a distraction. I wish I'd written this down now. Kind of, yeah, this this as like a coping mechanism or a distraction of like trying to distract yourself and like keep, you're trying to keep driving and just ignore, like it's in a method of avoidance. That's That's what I'm trying to, that's the word I'm reaching for here is avoidance that like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, we could talk about the song forever. We should move on. But yeah, it's a beautiful yeah, song. We, we, ha- we have to move on. We definitely love this. Um, if you would like us to close read this song someday, we would love to. I, when this album was released, I was like, yes, keep driving. It's clearly the best song. Maybe we'll get a music video out of it. And like, it's going to chart and it's going to be great. Um, so I've seen the number of streamings on <laughs> Spotify for the song. Uh, yeah, I don't think that we are getting a music oh, no, video. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that this is going to uh, chart. I don't know if the TikTok kids are going to pick this up. So if you, as our audience, would like us to close read, keep driving at some point within the next year, we would love to hear that from you because that will help us to prioritize our episodes in the future. Classic, so let us underrated song in discography from moment one, I think. Yes. Yeah. This would be, if we were to close read a non-single, this would probably be our first, our first one. So if you would like to hear that, please let us know. Yeah. So moving on to Satellite. Key, how do you feel about Satellite? Okay, this is my other. I think Keep Driving and Satellite are my two favorite songs on the album. Yeah, so it's me crazy too. to yeah. me that they're right next to each other. It's um, killer. And they're not on the first half of the record. Like, I just, I feel like, yeah, this is a deep album in terms of, you yeah. know, I don't see that in terms of theme. I mean, like, literally, like, there's, it's deep and that there's a lot of good songs on it wherever you yeah. look. Um, and yeah, I just, this is another one of those songs where along with keep driving, where I feel like this, it's nailed perfectly where the sound of the song emphasizes the meaning of the lyrics that I feel like is so well done where you have these sound effects and kind of like this vibey background sound. First of all, it's such a nice surprise when the song zips into kind of like the more upbeat, pop Mm -hmm. section where it like kind of starts in that slow it makes you wonder because harry i think said when he was talking about as it was that a lot of the a lot of songs he writes start slower which makes sense that that you'd write songs that way especially if you're like at home at a piano or whatever but um to kind of have it start slow and sad and then like really pick up it's another one of those sad bops right Mm -hmm. i love yeah just just falsetto kills in this song such a good falsetto like sound on the chorus there's like this visual right of the satellite orbiting the earth like going in a circle like going away from you and then and then back to you and then away from you and then back to you and that the sound of the song mimics that like that the sound of his voice like going up into the falsetto and then back into like the chest voice and like circling in that way i think is like just really brilliant and well chosen and well done and yeah, I just, I'm obsessed with that element of it and how the sound of the song mimics the meaning. What about you? Uh, yeah, this is definitely also a contender for best song Harry's ever written. The ooze at the beginning, I don't know how they did the sound effect to make it sound like it was going in and out. It's really cool. Uh, the wordplay in this, 
This is, an, again, another song that's a noun. So what do we say, class? There's <laughs> double, a meaning. double meaning. So the metaphor of the satellite that wants to communicate but can only watch as he rotates around and around her, sending signals to connect. But then also there's a spinning out being a synonym for anxiety. So that rotation that he's representing in the satellite is him anxiously rotating her around and around wanting to communicate, which I just think is like so sick. It's also like because he's written about this so often, like I feel like this pattern of communication and miscommunication is a really common theme for him to explore. I just feel like he's really crystallized it here and it's really cool to watch him kind of like explore this theme so often in his work only to like really sum it up so well in this this way yeah really cool yeah i don't know it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful song and a beautiful metaphor i find it it's so good it's like it's painful like i think about it too hard and it just makes me want to chew concrete like it's just (laughs) the he has a little whine in in his voice he kind of knows that he's being like he he's like Am I bothering you? Like he, he kind, like he kind of knows that she, like she, he kind of knows that she doesn't want to talk, but like also she kind of seems like she does. It's like you gotta let it go, man. Like I'm sorry, like you, you do, but like it, I feel like it has a lot in common with the distance and like the neediness of daylight, really. Mm, yeah, you know for I mean? sure. I think these these songs definitely kind of could be seen to go together. Yeah. What about your favorite lyric? Uh, spinning out waiting for you to pull me in. I can see you're lonely down there. Don't you know that I am right here? Which, like, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> no, it's great. That's what I had earmarked too, again, with that, like, yeah, the, the wordplay on spinning out, the, the pulling back in while the vocals pull back in. I think I really like that when he plays it live, like, I can see her lonely down there. Don't you know that I am right here? It's like sung by the audience. To, yeah. So it's like, it's almost like they're singing that line to him, which I think is really cool. I also just will shout out, I'm in an LA mood. I don't want to talk to you, which is a very funny lyric. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I wish that this one would chart as a single, but I don't know if this one will either. I feel like it's a it's definitely a fan favorite at this point in time. I feel like yeah. fans are really kind of congregating around satellite for sure. Yeah. Um, it's definitely beautiful. Okay. Boyfriends. They think you're so easy. They take <laughs> you for granted. How do you feel about boyfriends? Keith? Yeah, so this was one of the songs that we'd had beforehand. So my main takeaway on listening to this for the first time was like it just sounds really fucking good. I was just blown, like, honestly blown away by how this sounded. Like, the f- pure audio of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it just blew away my expectations for what the audio would sound like, which is funny because, like, you'd think, you know, as you have time post-Coachella to imagine what it would sound like, there's no way that the real version could live up to it. But I just was so blown away by the production. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if post-Coachella he would do all the harmonies because, you know, he has the girls in the band do the harmonies when he performs it live on stage but i love how his voice sounds performing all of those vocal parts um yeah it's just a great showcase for the improvement that there has been and i love fine lines production like i think mm-hmm. like and that album is so special to me and and i i do think it's produced so well but i just feel like you can hear an improvement here especially in comparison to the ballads on the instrumentation and production like i just 
think it really stands out in this song. Um, I don't have that much to say other than that because like we've had it already and I like the song and I like the lyrics of the song and I really like that he seems to have sort of wrote it not because of this but like he definitely is enjoying that he gets to like use it as a moment at a live concert to like <laughs> read a sign and say fuck you luke to somebody's boyfriend yeah um but yeah i i, I will say that i feel like it's at a lot of a bottom of a lot of people's rankings right now and i understand why you know it's a slower ballad type song it's like you've already heard it and but i don't know I say justice for it because I love Simon and Garfunkel and that's a big sonic influence on this song. I I really like it. What about you, Greg? I really like the intro. Um, I feel like it folds the song into the other songs on the album and um, it kind of like fits in some of the themes of like cycles that we see in other Yeah, like the reverse part of the track. Yeah. Ben Harper's guitar is really pretty on this. I honestly thought this would be my like most favorite song on the album. Um, it says a lot about the rest that it ranks a, a lot lower than that, but like it, but it still kills. It's part of a really nuclear sequence of like "Keep Driving," "Satellite Boyfriends," "Love My Life." If I listen to "Keep Driving," I like always listen to the end. Um, okay, so on Zane Lowe, he was like, it was one of those really quick, just say what you think of boyfriends when he was talking about the sessions for boyfriends um and he was like saying that he was like singing sitting there with a guitar strumming and saying boyfriends and like so i realized when i was rereading that quote when i was like setting up this document i was like so like he and his friends like sit around and did he go like okay mitch give me an example of what a bad boyfriend does which is like (laughs) they take you for granted and harry was like that's right, they do. <laughs> Boyfriends. And t- Tyler's like, they think you're easy. Fuck those boyfriends, you know? <laughs> I just, I, I've i seen him say, like, met, like, men are trash and stuff at concerts so much that I, I feel like that energy must have been brought, especially because, like, Lights Up, they record it the same day. And I feel like that must have been, like, a very, you know, I, he seemed to have, like, a really good time recording that day. And so I just feel like I can, I can definitely see in my mind that this must that this could have been like a loose sec- session where they just like had a lot of fun like creating this like shitty guy. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know. I, yeah, it's interesting. Is, is, is this is this is this the exact thing that happened? I don't know. But like once I got that idea in my head, I was like writing myself into like <laughs> like the session. I was like, what would I have said if I was at this this self insert session with Harry Styles? And it just made me want to write songs with Harry Styles and like stuff like that. I don't know. It's very late in in the morning. So apologies to our audience. But I once I got that idea in my head, I just thought it was like the funniest thing, which is I mean, the song isn't like funny, but it sounds like kind of like an enjoyable session to write at. Yeah, it sounds like a really fun writing experience. And again, I wish that we had the documentary which we won't have until 50 years from now to see the writing sessions. This song is like it, it stuck around, right? He said that, like, yeah. he, he wrote it during Fine Line and it stuck around. I think you can kind of hear that. It sticks out a little bit to me sonically and not in a bad way, but I think, like, yeah. just the kind of song it is, the instrumentation, I think, does remind me a little bit of the back half of Fine Line. And I and I think 
what I what I like most about this song, I think, is going to be explored more deeply in a second when we talk about the album's themes. Is like this exploration of cycles, right? Mm-hmm. So, for my favorite lyric, I would have to say is the "You're back at it again" lyric, which is not so much for like the simplicity of that one line, but more just for what it represents for the song as a whole, as like an exploration of that theme. And yeah, I think like Harry has said, like. As he is wont to do, he said, this song is about everything. It's acknowledging my own behavior, looking at behavior I've witnessed. He kind of leaves the door open, you know, for a potential double meaning there with, you know, the title. And I think, like, I like kind of the ability to read into different aspects of the song. I think there's been some discussion here about if the song's, like, pandering or something. I don't know. It doesn't read that way to me, especially because there's that element of self-awareness to it and imagery like drinking alone that parallels falling to me and like some of his previous work but yeah that's kind of how i look at it my favorite lyric probably is a weekend when you get deep in he starts secretly drinking it gets hard to know what he's thinking i just think that this is like a really like visceral and believable line it's a very evocative construction i, I don't know i i find the song just very interesting I just feel like the song has so much empathy. Like I I was talking over with a friend recently and I noted how like it's it's called Boyfriends and obviously the boyfriend in this song is terrible, but he specifically says it's about how people don't treat each other very nicely sometimes. And I do think that like this this song has empathy for the for you, the person who's you in the song, but also has a lot of empathy for the boyfriend And I think in some ways, you know, it is kind of about how people find it difficult to stop hurting each other when they Mm. would rather be miserable than be alone. So, yeah, I think that that is like... theme that you might say recurs throughout the Recurs, (laughs) exactly. Right. Um, I feel like there can be a risk with this song to try and make it autobiographical specifically, And I definitely understand that for a multitude of reasons, but I think that, like, thinking about it in terms of relationships and cycles of people hurting each other, um, rather than, like, this is a one-to-one with Harry's life, or, like, this is a one-to-one with the life of somebody he knows necessarily, I think can inspire a lot more of a fruitful interpretation of the song. So, yeah, I, 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 but I feel like, I feel like this specificity in, in the line of, like, Weekend When You Get Deep and He Starts Secretly Drinking, it gets hard to know what he's thinking. I feel like, I, I don't know, something about calling it secretly and, like, trying to understand what the what the boyfriend is thinking, I just feel like it's there's just, like, a lot of empathy wrapped up both for you and for the boyfriend, who are both, like, not in a great place and so not in a great place together either. Do you know what like I mean? Like he said at that one concert, this is for... Anybody who's had a boyfriend, this is for if you are a boyfriend, this is for if you've ever been next to a boyfriend, this is for people (laughs) who've looked up the word boyfriend in the dictionary one time in their whole lives. It's, yeah, there's a lot in there. (laughs) There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Um, Love of my life. Last track. How do you, last track. How do you feel about it? You know, I like love of my life. I gotta say though, like fine line, the song that closes out fine line is like, 
maybe my favorite Harry song of all time. It's like my favorite song off of the album, Fine Lines. It's too early to say how it compares to songs on this album, but I just like mm-hmm. that as a closing track is just like, like measuring anything up against that is just like a really unfair standard. So I go into this album like with that in mind even though I know it's kind of unfair. So like, I like this song. I It shocked me, frankly, that it was in a minor key. I just like, be, because of the name, I just like didn't think to expect that. There's like interesting wordplay here with like, you know, we said it's about England. So you have like creases and ends for a map. You've got the coordinates and stuff like that. The double meaning is fun. Um, the, it's an interesting, you know, end to an album with so many relationship songs to write a song about a place like, I'm not sure I totally like get this song. I don't know. Or I do. It's like, it's like home is complicated. England as a concept is very complicated. (laughs) So maybe that's actually the point. Like maybe I'm overthinking about it and that's the point and it's appropriate, right? Where like this kind of contrast between the minor key of the, the music and then like the, the kind of lyrics that are about being the love of your life, but it's past tense. There's like something quite there that I'm grasping onto, you know? So I can like see the potential of it. But for me, it's just hard because it's like I have the song fine line in my mind, you know? So that's kind of like the strange perspective that I bring to it. What about you, Gray? So I think that love of my life should be a 2022 single. Yeah, it's a big um, take from you. <laughs> no, I I am actually just kidding on this one. I, <laughs> I'm very serious about sushi and grape juice should be singles, but I think the love of my life is probably best in the context of the album. Um, the ticking clock behind the song, you need to listen to it. All the real ones know there's like a steady ticking in the song that like hits my entire soul. Um, and it's just so perfect. It just so perfectly represents the passage of time and the pressure of time i think this song is like literally perfect and i think he is wrong that fine line is better i think that this one is better um i feel like this song is just like i don't know i i definitely think that like certain songs are going to hit different people differently because i enjoy fine line i think it's like a really like gorgeous composition and when I'm in the right mood, I feel like I can definitely feel it. But it's never, like, I guess, connected with me in the same way that it's seemed to connect with some other people consistently. But in terms of, like, love of my life, like, I listen to love of my life. And, like, I'm, like, in it. I'm right there. I'm just, like, crying. I was I was spending time with another Harry the day after the album came out. We were listening together. And this song came on. And I was just, like... Just awkwardly crying in front of them, like, sorry. <laughs> uh, and they were like, that's, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't, not usually, I don't usually cry, but um, yeah. If you feel, if you're a person who feels very tied to a certain place, and you're also a person who felt, who's felt like a lot of your life has been kind of transient, I feel like this is very resonant. I don't know how resonant it is for people of other experiences, but yeah, I don't know. Like if you, if you are a person who's lived all over the place your entire life and then you start to settle down and then there's a pandemic and also you're close to or around 30 and you're getting older and you're watching the clock run 
and you're stuck inside and you don't want to be then then you get out of that and you're trying to figure out how to live your life and then this song drops wow um it hits so yeah this song is uh very it's very special to me and i'm really i'm really glad that it exists yeah and i'm glad that it resonates with you like that i think i'm still kind of grasping on to aspects of it but um yeah, I, I like the sound of it. I think I, I like it's cool that the reverse intro clip at long last is like I like that. Yes, that opened the era and that this song closes it. I think that that's special. Yeah. So I think for favorite lyrics, I, I really like the lyric. We don't really like what's on the news, but it's on all the time. Also say that I'll shout out. I remember back at Johnny's place. It's not the same anymore. Johnny being for a childhood friend of Perry's, I think like that element of the song how anchored it is in in home that way i really like um and that element of like yeah home not being the same anymore i think it's such an interesting note to end the album on that is called harry's house and is so like thematically centered on the idea of home so that's my favorite lyric what about you ray uh i won't pretend that i've been doing everything i can to get to know your creases and your ends are they the same i don't know i feel like most interpretations of this song like if i get too into it it just gets very personal very quickly and so i'm not gonna even get too into it i just i just very much feel this and um you know maybe sometime some other time we'll talk in more detail about this song but uh yeah it's just really lovely okay damn track by track that's the album guys we got we got through it we got through it so now we're going to move into a conversation about themes so key do you want to start us off with this graphic that I have right in front of my face, breaking down via Canva editing software, side A and side B of Harry's house and how they relate to each other. Yeah, so I feel like there was this sense that like it took people a little while to like figure out this album where like I think people could feel that there was a structure and they could feel that there was kind of a story underneath, but it like took a little bit for for that to like really it took a little bit for me to understand it and so I found that process like really rewarding honestly because I was just like you know looking at the songs and and charting all of the imagery that recurred and the language that recurred and like looking at these songs and it's like now I feel like you know everybody has a different understanding of it I'm not saying this is every this is the understanding everybody should have but to my understanding I feel like I see the album in side a and side b in each of those sides is kind of like a complete and cohesive cycle that, you know, from then repeats from side A to side B, right? So you've got on side A, music for a sushi restaurant, late night talking, and you've got and as another set, grape juice as it was in daylight, you've got Little Freak, and then you've got Matilda, right? So music for a sushi restaurant, late night talking, happy, infatuated love songs, easy to understand and grasp onto, grape juice as it was in daylight, you know, as we've talked about through our entire conversation thus far, there's songs about like mis- miscommunication and dependency, right? Like dependency, the substances that recur in all three of these songs. You've got Little Freak reflecting on the past, you know, past mistakes. You've talked about how that song is nostalgic. And then you've got Matilda, which is like the resolution of a cycle, right? It's like about a cycle and pattern of behavior that the song resolves. And then we go back into cinema, which is the same cycle repeating again, right? 
cinema and daydreaming, happy, infatuated, and in love, keep driving and satellite, that same cycle of miscommunication and dependency, boyfriends reflecting on the past or past mistakes, and then resolution with love of my life. Like, I feel like once I saw the album that way, it, like, I really liked the idea that the actual structure of the album emphasized the themes, which all have to do with, like, you know, cycles of behavior, cyclical patterns, like, in relationships, with substance use, with, like, I just, I feel like that really helped me crystallize it. Now, me presenting this is not me saying, like, this is exactly what Harry intended, that I know that for a fact. I don't. It's not me saying you need to listen to this way. It This way, you don't. It's more like, I feel like when I listen to the side A, the first half of the album, I get, like, a complete thematic experience doing that and then the same with side b and then together i find it really interesting that it's like those two sides together are a repeating pattern in itself you know so that's mm -hmm. like my rant for the album structure if anybody finds that interesting uh, i'm happy to present it to you but that's my spiel on the album structure i mean i guess also in some ways i feel like side b feels older than side a not like older in like t time period of recording or anything but for example like music for a sushi restaurant and late night talking they're like sensual and playful but like kind of like relationshipy and like coded in the sensuality and like side b with cinema and daydreaming they're you know pretty explicitly sexual relationship songs you know what i mean hmm. yeah it progresses for sure i think from side a to side b yeah and i think like I just love charting, you know, you've got the cyclical patterns in relationships, satellite explicitly is about that, yeah. you know, literally the round and round, yeah. the back at it again in boyfriends, keep right. driving is like about a pattern of behavior, right, that keeps moving forwards. I do feel like a lot of these songs kind of em emphasize that and I think it makes sense in quarantine and COVID and, and to kind of like to take stock cycles. of your patterns of behavior yeah. and, and all that so that's like that's kind of how i see this album yeah. and i yeah i'm interested to hear from listeners if that resonates with you if you have any other ideas on how you listen to it um but yeah so kind of like charting those themes like we've talked a little bit about some of them so like you know there's some ones that are obvious you know you've got loneliness and isolation and as it was satellite boyfriends you know You've got substance use and bad coping mechanisms, the seriousness of which like really ranges, I think, from songs like Grape Juice, where you could read them as like on the lighter side, to songs like, you know, Daylight and Keep Driving and Satellite and As It Was, which are like, you know, some of those more serious songs of the darker undertone. I think like charting this isn't me saying anything about like Harry's personal relationship to substance use. I can't make any statements regarding that, but I think like undeniably it's a recurring image and motif mm -hmm. in the record so i think just like pointing out some of these things is a good way to like start to think about what are the repeating themes and ideas that that kind of come together to create harry's house um yeah so besides those two ones that i just mentioned like what are some what are some things that stand out to you gray all right so i feel like domesticity is a big theme on the album and home as a concept so you have like cooking for somebody and music for a sushi restaurant you have like a lot of like food imagery like being honey to be dipped into making tea and toast the maple syrup and coffee you know the literal place in love of my life the home i i feel like this is honestly one of the more misunderstood aspects of harry's house maybe from what i've been seeing which is that i feel like 
some of the people who've discussed it have not quite understood how the substance, the themes of substance use and the themes of domesticity kind of go together. So I, I've, I've seen people either being like, he's trying to paint himself as the ideal boyfriend, but also trying to be edgy and having like these themes of like substance use in here or like, I don't know, just kind of not viewing the themes of domesticity very seriously. So there's this, this kind of misunderstanding. And I guess I kind of understood once I processed it that like, I feel like on this album, and I think I mentioned this a little earlier, uh, probably as you're listening right now, many hours ago. So I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll reiterate. I feel like in many ways on this album, um, Harry is almost like a, like a, like a romance heroine or a, a, like a romantic comedy heroine who just like can't seem to get it right and just really has this desire for this intimacy with somebody, this, this intimacy with a lover that includes like this domestic element, but keeps messing it up in some way, like through some fault of theirs or like connecting with the wrong person or idealizing a relationship to try and get to this place like where, where they're experiencing this healthy and this healthy domestic relationship. And I feel like some of it comes from the people who've responded to it, maybe not understanding that somebody like Harry, who is a man would really desire something simple, like the maple syrup and coffee and the pancakes for two enough to be willing to, you know, sacrifice like dignity or integrity or like stability because you want this so badly i don't know i i find the desire for intimacy on this album and represented through these two elements to be really relatable but it did take me a little while to even understand like i don't know i guess i'm so used to harry and how lovely he is that i didn't i didn't even process that this is like a different way to approach uh, relationships on an album than like a lot of you know his 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 peers in the pop world might do so i don't know i think that's like a really significant element it's true and i think it's it's like you can take this imagery on its face and i think it's easy to do that in a way that like fits with the homes of gardens photo shoot that kind of doesn't deal with all the different facets of this and the ways that it's subverted and the ways that it's juxtaposed and the way that it's used completely unironically and taken on its face all in the same album and i think like yeah it's tempting because harry's house is like you know you think oh it's in the kitchen like they're making tea and coffee it's like a very easy image to understand that it's tempting to kind of wave away the ways in which he's kind of looking at that and twisting it and using it to mean different things but it, it reminds me of the album cover you know and the way that he, mm-hmm. you know furniture's upside down and he's kind of like looking quizzically at it that like there's something about this idea of using home and all of this imagery in all of these different ways that i think yeah like brings right. out all these different themes right um, i just think of like yeah like if you're like it, like there's so many yeah like exactly there's so many like topsy-turvy ways like i think are shown on this album like so many topsy-turvy ways to look at the home like for an example in daylight the juxtaposition of the kitchen is like seen as this incredibly domestic space right like we all are familiar with the concept of like cooking for somebody 
as a sign of care and his lover is doing cocaine in his kitchen which isn't like it's it's you know it's explicitly you know a drug uh and it's not like (laughs) wow it's it's not it's not something that's traditionally seen as a domestic thing to do to be doing cocaine in the kitchen you want to be cooking and in the kitchen (laughs) you know what i mean so i i i feel like there's like a lot of this sort of upside down world in the album something is not quite right at harry's house for sure something is underneath the floorboards so and then you have like the and it's just the different kinds of you know things that happen in a house too you've got like the the two most explicit like we said acknowledgments of home here on the two resolution tracks on the album Matilda and Love of My Life and Matilda the ways in which you can create home for yourself and others and Love of My Life like someplace that was your home that you maybe have complicated feelings about and like realizing that and working through that I think like that's what's so cool to me about the cycles of this album and looking at it in terms of cycles and seeing you know going how these images change from all these different points in that cycle and how they're used at the beginning and like the love stage i guess of the record and how they're used in kind of like these more subversion songs and then kind of coming to rest in the resolution songs i feel like is an interesting way to look at it so yeah that i really like how all of this imagery is kind of used in the record I feel like miscommunication is a theme we've talked about throughout that we can kind of just touch on here because it has to do with everything you just said. Like, obviously, this is something that comes up a lot in like As It Was and and Daylight and Keep Driving, Satellite, Boyfriends. All of these songs have kind of like people trying to talk to each other, but like not quite saying what they need to say, Mm -hmm. which is such a common theme for Harry and across all of his work. Yeah. And then... Of course, we have like nostalgia and change on this album too, which is like, I just think as it was, is like so important thematically as the opening song and just tracking on this album, like it's not the same as it was and like calling back to old relationships and Little Freak and then like In Love of My Life, like Johnny's Place not being the same anymore. Like things have changed. Time has moved on. There's like this passage of time and and looking at things from a new perspective too that I think is kind of key to this album so yeah i feel like we we what we had thought we were going to do was kind of like do a really in-depth exploration of these themes here at the end but i think honestly we just talked about so many of these things throughout that i hope that like we don't want to like be repetitive and call out all these specific lyrics so yeah that was kind of i think what came out for us in terms of this album and like a lot of the recurring themes that were at play here if you saw anything that you think we missed or there's like overarching ideas that you think kind of contribute to the cycles idea i'd love to hear it yeah i don't know i'm just really interested in kind of breaking open this album and i feel like the more time that i spend with it the more i get out of it um yeah same and yeah i'm really interested to see what that's gonna look like six months from now and a year from now and and all of that so yeah so let's move into our closing thoughts. Uh, Keith, what do you think the legacy and impact of Harry's house will be? Yeah, so I think honestly, it has to do with sort of what I just said. I feel like he's on the way up, pals. This is like a, yeah. it's like a crazy moment to witness, I guess, the like numerical success of this album, I think it's is so like- so nuts. Yeah, it's like in the wake of Fine Line's success, I feel like is the real story here that Fine Line was like an enormous growth period for Harry as an artist and like, maybe I'm biased because I joined at that time Um, so I'm like this was when everybody joined 
But um, I do feel like, you know, seeing these numbers is just like an example of how crazy successful this album is going to be. And so I'm so excited to see that play out on the tour when he tours, you know, the UK and Europe and later the US in the fall and like awards season and who knows how much his freaking two films that he's going to have this year are going to impact that. But overall, I just think it's it's really tough to say like what the overall legacy of this album will be. I think I, I would almost say I think it's going to end up being underrated, but that sounds literally insane because it's sold 500,000 copies. So how can you possibly say that it's underrated? I don't know. I'm excited to see how my feelings and thoughts on this album kind of change as time goes on and how it sits and like fine line improved so much for me over time as I heard the songs live on tour and kind of gained my own experiences to go along with the songs and sat with them and yeah so I'm just so looking forward to getting even more of what's happened to me in this past week which is talking to the songs about talking about the songs with people and unlocking this album and spending more time with the music and yeah just all that runway of time that's ahead of us to kind of have our relationships change with these songs i think is really exciting so where are you at with it gray i think that he's famous i think that harry styles is famous did you know that he is really famous but like it's crazy like it's not like he was like some niche indie artist before or anything but it's just um there's just a certain like period of time where somebody becomes like like a celebrity and then when they become like known you know yeah like so, there's just like there's something that's happening right now and it's like it's it, it inspires a lot of emotions um some good and some like that you know it's um <laughs> suddenly a lot of people have a lot of opinions about harry and i don't know if you've noticed the kinds of opinions that people have about people like harry they're not always fun <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I, I had this written down and I didn't end up saying it which is that like I love 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 like monocultural moments where everybody's into the same thing at the same time and everybody's talking about it and it's like then to have that happen over Harry who and his career in music which is something I'm so invested in and I spend so much time thinking about to suddenly like watch that break wide for a little bit yeah it's so interesting and like emotionally complex for me to it really <laughs> is it's yeah no i'm so glad i'm so glad that you say that i have like a lot of complex feelings about it too and overall it's great that the album yeah. is having the success and you want con- that conversation to be driven and it's like that's such a good thing but it is for fans it's like such a funny time to to see it that is. kind of like break out yeah right i don't know it's wild i don't know it's just um you you start to look back at other times. I don't know. I'm a, I'm really into history, and so I try to find other like cultural touch points to kind of ground me sometimes. And like, uh, I, which I maybe sounds silly to be needing grounding about like a pop star getting famous or whatever, but just to kind of like situate myself in this period of time by seeing how people experience life in other periods of time, and like. I don't know something about what Harry is doing and like what he is is like you know you you have seen other pop stars do xyz before but it's just interesting to see how the way that he's doing things is similar or different to people of the past but really also just to see him like to to be knowledgeable enough about historical figures to see that 
especially with this album and the way that he's moving forward, there's so many things that are new and like there's so many ways that he's kept like the good parts of like the 70s and like tossed out like all of the worst (laughs) impulses and aspects of like everything that was going on during the time period um, that adopted a lot of the aesthetics that he really loves. And just see that like he's on just like this huge grand scale um, to see the conversations that are happening about him and how they reflect how the world sees people like me too. It's it's very emotionally complex. But I think it's 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 so interesting too, just like to think about his career and like the placement that this album will have. And right. I think you can never know that. Like I think we can't make that call sitting here at two a.m. Absolutely. Yeah, I find it so interesting to think like, oh, forty years from now, boyfriends is gonna mean this, and it like. Matilda is going to be this song in his discography and Mm -hmm. this outfit is going to have this legacy and it's like all these different elements but like I don't know you can never predict stuff like that so it's it does feel like as Harry says the industry is very fickle but he says (laughs) it as the industry is showering him with praise right now so (laughs) it's true but it's like yeah to, to kind of be in that moment in real time that then you know you'll look back on is like a funny yeah it's, it's definitely interesting. I have found myself saying, like, obviously at this point he's very popular. He sells a lot of tickets and it's great. Um, but obviously there are still, like, some people who are, you know, naysayers. And I look at them and I wish that I myself was, for example, like, around when David Bowie was, like, touring as Ziggy Stardust. I wish I was around when Elton John was touring when he was younger. I would have gone to those shows and I just, like... I don't know like at this point like tickets are such a bloodbath that i'm like you know what if you're not on board the harry train don't good. come good <laughs> i can outcompete you on Ticketmaster then <laughs> but at the same time like i i just can't fathom like understanding that like the next person is is here get on the train it's awesome it's dope get on board the harry train everybody come on nobody who's listening to a harry styles podcast needs me to encourage them of this but that's just how I feel. It's a great it's a great time to be a fan of Harry and it's been really special to see this happen, you know, all at once. Yeah. So we have so much to look forward to. It's like I feel like our voices are getting quieter and it's not because we're not excited, but it's because it's two in the morning. It's two AM, <laughs> yeah. So you're here in a little slumber party with us. Yeah, you're you're having our little slumber party where I am recovering from COVID stuff. So <laughs> So let's uh, say COVID saves uh, <laughs> video and audio slumber party. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's so exciting to think about, like, who knows, next yeah. week, even this week, because it's technically Monday right now, we might have a music video. We could have, like, yeah. we're, we know we're going to have performances. Tour is almost upon us. It's like, then, it's like, there's just so much with this album. It's like, God, album cycles are so much fun. I feel so lucky to be here at 2 a.m breaking it all down because it's like yeah there's just so much to look forward to so it's so hard to sum up we were like spent forever trying to plan this episode and break break out this document because it's like oh my god we have to get every single thought that we've ever had in our heads ever about this album into this podcast episode and that's of course impossible but hopefully in the past like three hours of audio that we've recorded something good will come out of it right (laughs) yeah hopefully it has been a fun listen and yeah we just want to thank all of you so much for yeah giving us the space to 
Yeah, thank you. So completely much. dump all of our thoughts for three hours out on this album because it's just like I you hear something like this and you need to do it. It's like yeah, I'm just so happy yeah. to have this album and Me too. I'm really looking forward to living with it for the next six months, the next year, the next twenty years. So yeah, yeah, wow, Harry's house, Harry's house. Okay, yeah. uh, all right. So we're gonna move into our outro now. Key, are you looking forward to non-hairy things? Book, movie, TV, Rex, one non-hairy thing bring you joy in these difficult times? All I will say is that I'm watching Stranger Things and it's bringing me a lot of joy. We've spent so much time talking about Harry's house <laughs> and as we should, that I'm not going to say any more than that. All I'm going to say is if you have thoughts on Stranger Things, DM me. I'm enjoying the season even though I have some quibbles <laughs> and I love that it's back. What about you, Gray? ContraPoints has blessed the internet with a new video which I've already watched three times, and it's great. You should watch her videos. This one's a little bit of a darker one, but it's really good. He, I don't, have you seen, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. You haven't watched it yet. I gotta make Key watch it, but Key's been preoccupied with Stranger Things. Um, don't get COVID. That, don't, don't get COVID. Um, I can recommend against it heartily. Please take care of yourselves. Um, Cause like it's going around right now and you don't want it. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to head out now. Key, do you want to, do you want to lead us into our little outro? Yes. You can contact us at weblameharrystyles at gmail.com on Twitter and Tumblr. We can be found at Harry Styles pod. Let us know what you think of the show. Another way to do that is to rate and review our podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify. We'd so appreciate it if you just took a second and gave us a rating, if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast host to become notified of our next episode. Thank you for listening and talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.